Welcome to episode 33 of an Axe Throwing Podcast. I am your host, Bill Feinberg. Today's date is Monday, April 24th. Hopefully I can get this out pretty soon. Uh, and today my guest is Dr. Dan Ceballos, aka Dr. Dan, manager of Fondy Axe Company. Dan, thank you for being here. Bill, thank you very much for having me here on the podcast. I've uh, been a fan of the podcast, listened to quite a few of them, and uh, I can't speak for the entire Axelon community, but I just want to personally thank you for putting the time and effort to do this. I know there have been other podcasts done in the past, um, but you have seemed to have maintained a consistency that I'm sure myself and others really appreciate, so thank you for doing them. Thank you for putting in the time and effort, and it's my honor to be on this podcast. Oh, well, uh, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Uh, typically, consistency is not one of my strong suits, so uh, that means a lot to me. Uh, so I, I really do appreciate it. And also, uh, thanks to one, if you listen to one episode, thank you. And then if you listen to another one after the first one, uh, exponential thanks for every additional one, because uh, like I like. I think like all of my guests are like super interesting people, which is why I like doing it. I like hearing these stories, you know, that's why I love, like, I feel like at league you get the stories, but then like all the stories, they're not confined to just league. Like they could totally be for the whole community. And so I don't know, this, I got the tools to do this. So this is just my way of contributing to the community. Um, so cool. Um, I'm trying to, I think the first time you and I met was maybe at throw Ohio last Correct. year, yep. if I recall correctly. I, um, I remember I, I spotted you down, I hunted you down. And if uh, anyone's been at, been at an axe throwing tournament, I'm uh, I'm a little bit of a social butterfly. I do like to float around. And, and if there's somebody that I haven't met, I usually go up and say hi to them, or at least I try to. And uh, I was aware of you in the podcast. And so I think uh, I approached you and just, you know, Thanked you as well uh, for, for doing the podcast then and there. And then you kind of mentioned to me that, you know, if I was ever interested uh, to be on uh, and then I never followed up with you until I think worlds. And then you, and then you, and then, and then I think you were a little bit backlogged. So I'm glad that we're able to catch up and, uh, and have some things to talk about. And honestly, uh, after this past weekend, uh, I think I have quite a bit to talk about with you. And so, so I'm happy to be here and I'm glad we were able to connect. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm I'm excited to see. Uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. That Worlds was like the I think the next time I saw you. And, uh, yeah, uh, I'm I think I'm actually finally starting to like make a little bit of ground on the backlog. Uh, all this stuff. I just it's like like George Sanchez was in the queue for like a year, and I just published that episode. Um, Love it. Yeah, uh, so yeah, you uh you're actually like currently. Well, I mean, not like right now. You're you're not driving now, but today you are driving. You are driving from. Uh, uh, Indianapolis back to Wisconsin correct. after Pro League Series Spring Fling, right? Correct, correct. Uh, and so uh, so it was a wonderful tournament. I'm sure we can talk a little bit more about it, but just very quickly, just wanted to thank uh, the Pro League organizers, uh, 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 Tyler Flynn, uh, uh, Lucas Johnson, uh, Kyle Rickenball. Uh, those guys, they did a great job. And obviously Ryan Gustin with the Flying Squirrel, you know, they did a bang up job, but uh, I don't want to, uh, hijacked it straight to spring fling so we can go in sequential order if you'd like but but thank you to those guys because it was uh it was a wonderful tournament yeah that's a shout out to everybody you just mentioned also uh if you haven't heard uh the sit your axe down podcast with lucas and kyle the, yeah. go check that out also uh yeah. i'm almost all the way caught up on that uh I realized it's like a there's a lot of stuff to consume but yeah. so it was a great content I, actually like, i'm pretty sure 
after hearing Lucas say like, yeah, throwing knives made me better at hatchet. I'm like, great. Now I got to go buy knives. And I've since purchased knives. Um, I was bummed. I couldn't make it to pro league series, but I also didn't, I've never qualified for it. So, uh, I, unfortunately I do not have like, uh, money to go spectate at axe throwing tournaments as much as I would like. Um, cool. We we're going to get into so much throwing and venue talking and competition and rules and all of that. Uh, but before we get into that stuff, uh, let's hear about your life before throwing. Absolutely. Uh, I was just like other podcasters who or people who have been on the podcast. They're like, yep, I'm ready for this question. And I was a little scared because um, uh, you've had uh, people on this podcast with so many various life experiences before they actually get to talk to you. And without boring everybody to tears about what I did, uh, um, I've actually had sort of three careers uh since i've since i've started well actually now the managing position at an accident venue would actually be my fourth career uh but i've actually had three other careers uh, prior to this uh i've uh, worked as a design uh, chemical engineer and so that's what i got my uh, undergrad degree uh i've been a television producer in los angeles uh, i have a master's degree in film and uh and then i also have a doctorate in chiropractic and so I was practicing as a chiropractor from 2017 all the way to 2022. Uh, so that's what I did. And obviously, there's a lot of stories between those years. But uh, but more importantly, uh, you know, how did you know I get into axe throwing? I can get into that story because I think that one's actually kind of fun because it's a fun uh, axe throwing story. For sure. Any this is your time. So any stories that you want to share? Sure. I don't. I don't have anything going on after this. So any <laughs> stories that you want to share? Like uh, people have to hear this story. Yeah. This is the time to tell it. So whatever, so, whatever stories you want to yeah. tell, go for it. So, uh, so I was, uh, I was in actually Massachusetts. I was living uh, on the East Coast, uh, practicing uh, in Central Massachusetts. Uh, shout out to Sturbridge and Southbridge, Massachusetts, for those on the East Coast. And uh, a friend of mine who was running the uh, Connecticut Renaissance Fair, uh, him and his best friend have been running it for like the last 20 years. Uh, we became good friends, and uh, he invited me to the fair. And I've always enjoyed Renaissance Fairs. I loved uh, dressing up, getting into character, and interacting with the, uh, the, the performers. And it's just a lot of fun for me. So my friend thought it'd be really funny that if uh, part of the uh, one of the uh, sections of the Renaissance Fair was called, and I love the name of this, the Hitting and Stabbing Emporium. So this little section of the Renaissance Fair would basically, they would throw uh, axes, knives, spears, and stars. And so, uh, but every uh, day the Renaissance was, uh, Fair was open, they'd have like this axe throwing contest. Now, what they threw, I would not consider to be an axe. It was a piece of metal kind of in the shape of an axe. And so like literally almost every side of it would stick, you know, the, the front would stick, the point would stick, sometimes the handle would stick. And the way the game would go is you would throw this axe onto the board, you get three throws. Uh, and the person who have the most amount of sticks would move on in the tournament. So they actually ran like a little bracketed tournament. It was like a single elimination kind of tournament. tournament. And um, so my friend thought it was really funny if I would do this tournament. So he's literally pointing at the organizer saying like, hey, put this guy in. And I didn't know what was going on. I was just, just standing there. And so uh, he throws me in this tournament. They, they, they shove three axes in my face. And I'm like, what do I do with these things? And they're like, you throw it at this board. So uh, I was a, a baseball pitcher when I, was in, uh, when I was a kid. 
So like I knew throwing mechanics, but I never had thrown an axe before. My first two axes were in the dirt because I was throwing it like baseball and throwing it low. And then out of just blind fury, rage of anger, I basically saw red. And, and I was just so upset because I couldn't stick an axe. I just fired one in there and I stuck it and then moved on to like the next match. And then I took that kind of technique of firing as hard as I could, anger, rage, and, and stuck a few more and kind of won my way all the way to the finals. My friend is freaking out. I don't know what's happening, and but I'm having a great time, and the, the crowd seemed to like it as well. So we go into the finals. You know, I stick every single axe in the finals. I win this three-foot-long trophy. Uh, that's a sword. It's a sword. Uh, and uh, and I still have it to this day in my room, it, uh, that, that this was my first axe-throwing trophy. It's like this scimitar, uh, really fancy, like, Renaissance sword that is, like, I always usually bring it out for Halloween or special occasions, but that was like my first axe throwing experience was at that Renaissance fair. And then uh, the guy um, who was coordinating it, he was just like, you know, how much throwing have you done? Like, where did you learn how to do this? I was like, I don't know what I was doing. Uh, it was just pure blind luck. And he's like, well, you know, if you ever want to, um, you know, do this again, you know, let me know. And so the following season of the Renaissance Fair, I actually became a volunteer for their uh, for their hitting and stabbing emporium. And so I, I started teaching people how to throw axes, spears and stars and and did that for every Saturday for from like um, I think it opens like Labor Day and goes all the way to like Halloween. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and did that. And so, so that was sort of like where I got my first like throwing experience. And so that was like how I kind of got into ax throwing, uh, at least, you know, for the first time until I did ax throwing kind of, you know, in a traditional kind of venue kind of, kind of way. How did you, so like, um, when, when was that, that you won the sure. three? Uh, so that was, uh, so 2018 was when I first threw, did it at the Renaissance Fair the first time. And then it was, uh, that was like the, I believe it was the fall of 2018. And then I didn't really do anything with it. In, oh no, I take it back. It was the fall of 2017. And I didn't really do anything with it until like the fall of 2018. So 2018, I came back and I volunteered. And then in 2019, I moved from uh, central Massachusetts to Columbus, Ohio. And uh, uh, so I was, I was working as a chiropractor in Massachusetts uh, um, uh, there. And then I got another job as a chiropractor in another office in Columbus, Ohio. And I was scrolling through social media. And, uh, and this was probably maybe the summer of 2019. And I saw this ad for indoor urban axe throwing. I thought, you know, kind of caught my, I had just moved there. Uh, my brother lives in Columbus, Ohio. So that was what drove me to the city. And I was scrolling it and they said, you know, urban axe throwing, the place was called Dueling Axes. So then, uh, so then I was like, oh, let me go check this out. So I go to Dueling Axis. Uh, I, you know, I get there. I, the coach goes through a little spiel. And uh, I think by my third throw, I threw a bullseye. And uh, he's like, oh, have you done this before? And I kind of said, kind of. But I'd never thrown like an axe with a wooden handle with only a blade on one side. You know, what I threw, what, what I felt like was like a giant Chinese star shaped in an axe. Uh, but had a great session, you know, threw for like an hour. It felt like I had thrown for 10 minutes because it just flew by. I had such a great time. And when I left, uh, one of the uh, managers said that, hey, we're doing this like monthly axe throwing tournament. If you, you, should, you should do it. And I was like, okay, cool. 
So then literally at the end of the month, I, 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 I came back. So this was like the second time I'd ever thrown access. I showed up at this tournament. And then the, the guy checking me in was like, well, where's your axe? And I'm like, well, you guys haven't given me one. And he's like, no, at these tournaments, you bring your own axe. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't know that. He's like, and he's like, well, you can just grab one off the rack. I was like, okay. So I go and I'm like, so I'm warming up for this one tournament. And, um, and I'm looking to this guy next to me and he's just, just nailing bullseye, bullseye, bullseye. I was like, wow, this guy's really good. And I'm like dropping every single axe right next to him. And we're just throwing and uh and and he's like he's like is that your axe i was like no it's the one i grabbed off the rack he's like maybe this should get you a new one i was like they can do that and so he knew the manager he's like hey mike can you get this guy you know one of the new ones in the back and these were like uh shop pro like uh, like harbor freight kind of like axes these are just like these like they're built you know built for built for punishment but they're not really great for like throwing at least you know very accurately so then, so he got me the new axe and I was doing a little bit better. And then this guy, the one that kept hitting on these bullseyes, he's like, Hey, do you want to play a match? And I'm like, with me? <laughs> he's like, yeah. I was like, okay. So then, so we throw a match and he's like, bullseye. And I'm like, four. And bullseye. I'm like, two. <laughs> bullseye. <laughs> Three. You know, and so it was just, it wasn't really much of a match. And he's, and then, so after 10 throws, uh, I'm like, dude, you're really, really good, man. Uh, I was like, thank you for telling me to get him an ax. He's no problem. And I'm like, hey, man, what's your name? I'm Dan. He's like, oh, my name is Josh. I was like, oh, uh, all right, nice to meet you, Josh. Uh, and so it ended up being Josh Russo. And so, who you've had on the podcast. And then, and then all of a sudden, here comes this other guy, you know, just like larger than life, you know, bigger guy. He comes in. He's like, hey, what's up, Josh? And they hug each other. And then Josh is like, hey, it's my new friend, Dan. He's like, what's your name? He's like, oh, my name's Zach. Oh, hey, Zach. Nice to meet you. And he's like, oh, oh, Zach, Zach Crawford. And so, uh, so then I was like, okay. So then, so then we throw, you know, so, so we're like getting ready for this tournament. And then in walks this other guy. And then, and I was like, uh, and he started throwing. He's really tall, got long hair. Uh, I, was, I was like, oh, that other guy's really good. He's like, oh yeah, these are these Cleveland guys. I was like, Cleveland? He's like, yeah, that guy's name's Tyler. I was like, oh, Tyler, okay. Well, he, Tyler's very good. He's like, yeah, it's Tyler. It's Tyler Flynn. And then, and then with him was, uh, was Jay Bryant too. Jay Bryant uh, was with him as well. So there's like all these like studs of like ax throwing. And here I am, it's like my second time ever throwing. And uh, so we do this tournament, and uh, and no big surprise, it was Tyler and Josh in the finals, and uh, and um, and I remember at that tournament I was wearing this Star Wars shirt, and uh, Josh was like, "Oh man, that's a really cool shirt," and and I, it's funny that he didn't mention this on his interview, uh, so I, I'll mention it for him. Josh is the biggest Star Wars nerd I have ever met. He knows things about Star Wars that I, he he's he's forgotten more things about Star Wars than I will ever know, and uh, and and so I knew we were going to be really good friends because then after so uh, Josh ended up winning the tournament, and the winner, which was a really cool prize, in addition to getting like he got like a shirt and a hat. In fact, the hat that he won in the tournament, I actually still have in my repertoire. It's a, it's one of my favorite hats. Um, he gave it to me. Uh, he gave me his pair of socks because he didn't. They gave him a pair of socks. He didn't like them, and I took them. I still have these pair of socks. Uh, but the winning, uh, the prize was you were able to throw a axe in front of um, the Columbus Clippers baseball game. So it was literally a game with like like fifteen thousand people, and Josh had to walk out there. Uh, with a jersey that said dueling access he had a 64 number on the back 
he had to throw like literally an axe in front of this whole stadium, which was such a cool setup. And uh, and then uh, so I was at the game. And then uh, after the game, you know, you know, we, you know, exchanged information and, and I, you know, we've been really good friends ever since, you know, you know, me, Josh, uh, and then ultimately Jess, Jessica uh, Renner also became part of the crew as well. So then uh, we had this whole like little Columbus four crew that now that I've been on now, now you've complete, you've completed the, 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 the quadfectra, if that's even a word, uh, between Jess, Josh, uh, Zach, and now myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout, shout out to every one of those people. Uh, I'm supposed I, I was supposed to interview Tyler, then scheduling, and so hopefully can get him on soon. Yeah. Um, also, uh, speaking of Jess, uh, I literally like two hours ago just opened up the uh, the double bit. Uh, oh. That she like I ordered one of her double bit axes. Nice. And I just yeah. opened it. So um, that's awesome. Uh, how, I, I one uh, whenever I get around to like doing like a another like re-interviewing people or like follow-ups uh mm-hmm. i that's a that's a great story about like being gonna throw an axe at like the minor league baseball stadium what yeah. was the target like what was it like so, did they so, so basically what they did is they uh so duly dylan axis like created this uh really nice target they rolled it out to like center uh, to the um uh home plate and uh and then josh walked out like he was like you know he was like at the time, uh, the tw- it was you could like kind of hop over the twelve foot line, and we we're still throwing at the three and a half inch uh, bullseyes, and uh, he just walked up there and then just like you know just kind of just just smashed his bullseye in front of everybody, and uh, and it's it, it's such a really cool um, like experience where like uh, you know he just he just smoked that bullseye in front of everybody, and everybody cheered, and it was just it was just super cool. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and then, uh, and then we, we became friends, you know, after that, you know, they were telling me like, you should keep doing this. Like, if you want to get better, you got to join our league. And so, uh, we were, uh, throwing leagues, uh, at Dueling Axis and at, uh, this other affiliated venue, uh, uh Throw Nation, which was the venue that hosted the, the Arnold. Uh, and they hosted the Arnold uh, for a couple of years uh, uh, in, you know, in, in the tournament scene. And, uh, and, and so, uh, you know, the, 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 the way I got better was throwing against those two guys and Jess, you know, for, for pretty much like a year. Uh, and then, you know, slowly improving, improving, improving until I had enough guts to go to my first tournament, which was the 2020, uh, 2020 Arnold, right before COVID. And, and it was so funny that that tournament, there were so many, so many great throwers. That was their first tournament, you know, whether it was Colby, uh, Theodoro, Philobom, uh, you know, I'm probably forgetting a bunch of other people that that was their first tournament. Uh, but I know there was a crew of us that that was all our first tournament. I think uh, Scott Biddle was his first tournament. There's a huge, you know, group from Ironside that came that, that tournament. There was just so many people uh, that were there. Mario was there. I met Mario uh, for the first time there. So uh, it was it was it was really awesome, you know. And then to have the Ryan's, you know, Gustin and Smith in the finals was such a it was awesome to watch. So. It's funny. I, I did not get to go to that one. I, but I was, so I lived in Austin at that time. I'm originally from Ohio. Right. And I lived in Columbus for like two years. Um, and so it's like, it's weird. I have this, like, like Ohio still feels like home in a lot of ways to me. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, I was, I was ax throwing back then, but like not waddle and not in Ohio. And so like, mm-hmm. I feel like, well, I was around, but I wasn't around, but I was like, I, I was aware of it. Sure. Uh, and I was, uh, I actually competed in the Arnold's, 
in like 2006 in jujitsu. So, nice. but uh, okay. not, never, never did any uh, axe throwing at the Arnold. Well, you know, I don't know if the trend was actually affiliated with the Arnold Classic. I just think that they called it the Arnold, and it just so happened to be the same weekend. So I don't know if there was actually a correlation. I could be wrong, uh, but uh, but I do remember, you know, there was a time where that was, you know, one of the biggest tournament uh, of the year. And I know that um, the owners of Thor Nation now, because they have new management, I know they're they're been working on to try to you know, revive the Arnold and hopefully in the, you know, 20, you know, 2023 or 2024 season that they'll, they'll, they'll get one back because uh, Throw Nation, you know, has, is very near and dear to my heart because that was my first venue where I threw leagues and, uh, you know, they say you never, you never forget your first. And so uh, between Julian Axis and Throw Nation in Columbus, you know, that's where, that's where it all started for me. Did, did you like, would you have ever guessed, right? In, you know, you mentioned being like a chemical engineer. Yeah. It was, you were like a, a film producer, TV producer. Yeah, television uh, producer. And, and it like out of all of like, because you have a very like diverse and like wide breadth of experiences. Mm -hmm. Did you ever expect that like when you're just going to this, you know, oh, I saw, so you know, an ad and I went to this thing that like, oh, I was going to make lifelong friends that day. You know, yeah. like you no, not never, never. And, uh, and, 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 and the thing, and that's, what's so magical about, you know, our community at Axe Throwing is that, you know, the, the bonds that you make and, uh, cause people have asked me before. And in fact, I've, I was a little surprised that this wasn't one of the questions. Uh, people have asked me before, like, why, why do I take selfies with everybody? Because <laughs> that's kind of like my thing. I'm, I'm known to be taking a lot of selfies with a lot of people and a lot of throwers. And for me, when, when I go to tournaments, it's always been about the experience. You know, obviously, I'm competitive. I love to compete against the best of the best. But at the same time, uh, for when, I, when I'm at a tournament, it, it's an experience. And, uh, and, and, you know, these experiences, I get to share it with these amazing people. So when I take a picture, it's usually with my opponent like for a match not always but 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 a good majority of the time you know i take a few moments before we start throwing and i say hey man can we snap a picture you know my name's dan what's your name if, if i don't know them already and we take a picture and then i look back at it and i'm like oh i remember that match with that 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 person and uh and it's it's a way for me to kind of almost remind myself that that you know win or lose you know to take full advantage of this one moment you know because i'm never gonna probably throw against this person at this venue at this time in the bracket on this day is never going to happen again. So I'm going to try to at least do my best to uh, fulfill that moment or have the, the best experience I can. And so when I do take these pictures, it kind of, it's a little bit of a reminder to that, that, you know, yes, I want to win, but sometimes there's, there's a little bit bigger things in life than just winning and losing uh, a match. And, uh, and so, so that's, that's one of the reasons. And then the other reason is when it's somebody's birthday, I like to tag them, uh, with our picture together and say, happy birthday. And then there's a picture of me and somebody else. That's awesome. That's super thoughtful. Like, uh, like, uh, and then I imagine, uh, you get like, uh, you know how like the social media apps will do like the memories. They're like, Oh, one, mm -hmm. it's been one year since oh. you did X or two yeah, years since you were in that place. When it's my birthday. And, uh, and then it, I get all these messages of all these people that I've tagged in all their birthday pictures. And I'm just like, Oh boy, what have I just done? <laughs> Sometimes that, I'm a little afraid to open up my Facebook uh, page on my birthday. <laughs> that, that's awesome. That's like a, that is like some, some wholesome, positive, like <laughs> content. And I feel like there's not enough of that in the world. So that's awesome. Like uh, <laughs> good job. I feel like, uh, uh, yeah, it's weird. Like the, the older I get, the more I'm like, 
just like savoring those like little just like those like little heartwarming things you know yeah so you're, yeah. you're, you're like you're like oh this is this is like a strange form of self-care i suppose well you know and and the thing is is like sometimes i, I think about like you know and and not to say it's right or wrong but I, you know i feel like sometimes people get a little bit wrapped up of like oh i went five and two or one and oh and two and one and whatever whatever two and you know and this that and the other and uh and 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 sometimes you know and, and, you know i get i get a, i get a little bit concerned that sometimes people get like so competitive with the outcomes and not necessarily realizing that that you know, we're, we're, we're having an experience and when you, when, and I don't want to look back on my life and just feel like, oh, I was the sourpuss in the corner who didn't want to talk to anybody at a tournament, uh, because I was too wrapped up in my own thing that, that I, I, I missed out on something that was really special of experiencing this match with this one person because it's, it's, it's an, it's an honor. It's an honor to, to step in the line, in the, in the lane with somebody like, uh, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't want to butcher the uh, Theodore Roosevelt quote about the man in the arena, uh, where, you know, you have the courage to step into the arena and anyone that steps into the line with me or the, anytime I step into the line with somebody else, it's a battle. And I am a very fierce competitor. Like I, I am very cheery and super nice, usually outside the lanes. But when I'm in, when I'm in the lanes, it's. I mean, I'm business and I'm very serious and I'm trying hard. But at the same time, uh, I, I don't want to forget that that I'm sharing an experience with somebody in this match, and I want it to be the most um, thrilling experience that I can. And win or lose, uh, I'm gonna. I don't want to forget it. And I want to experience this as much as I want. And and it's not really about me, but it's about the experience that we're sharing. Yeah, I can. Uh, I feel like I've I recently just got to the like the point where I can go to a tournament and not compete well, and still like look back and be like, that was like I would do it all again, right? But, because for mm -hmm. a long for like the first couple of years of throwing, like yeah, I'm I'm competitive, mm -hmm. but you know, it'd be like okay. I would, I would actually talk myself out of even going like I would I, yeah. like who knows how much like fun and good memories I missed yeah because I just I was like oh you know I've never beat that person and they're going yeah. so like what's the you know I'm not gonna I don't want to spend you know a hundred bucks to get in and then the right. gas or the flight and then the right. hotel like I don't want to spend a thousand dollars to go lose you know right right right, um, right, right. And, and so it's like and for a long time I didn't compete but then it's also like I'm like, well, I'm definitely not getting any better by not, not competing. Not you know, yeah. It's like yeah. I, I imagine competing and losing will make me better than not yeah. than just like practicing or not or just you know watching Netflix. Right. Um, but I also realize like uh, I, I can I can still empathize with anybody that does get like upset about that because it is expensive. It is a, a big investment of time and energy, and so like um, I, I had to make the conscious choice of like it's like almost uh like the experience is first like i would almost and this is a maybe exaggerated or uh, hyperbolic but I, I would almost rather have a memorable loss than a boring win yeah i mean i'm the type of person that i i learn more by making mistakes than i ever than i would ever do by not making a mistake i learn more from my losses than i would ever learn by winning a match and uh, and i feel like it's almost like 
you know, I, 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 I like playing video games. And so it's like almost like your character, like when you're like lower level on the video game, you're the, you're getting beat up by the big baddie boss in the video game. And then as you get more like XP, more experience points, you get stronger and stronger and stronger. And then you're able to take down the big baddie boss. And, and, and I feel like everyone's evolution is, is different. Like, I think everyone goes through that sort of process of like, um, you know, wanting to, you know, be in their own head and, you know, being sort of antisocial at tournaments and just focusing on their, on their throwing. And then, and then once they've gone to enough tournaments and gotten better and, and feel relaxed because you know more people, then it's a little bit more, uh, now you're just hanging out with your friends and you're having a great time. And, you know, everybody, you know, at this point, everybody is just so, so good. I mean, it, it could be every, anyone's game. And I feel like if you ran brackets, you know, a hundred different times, you get a hundred different outcomes. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, to get wrapped up on, you know, wins and losses and records, uh, I, I feel, and this is to me personally, I feel that's, that's a lot of wasted energy. Cause it's almost like in the past, like literally after the ax is out of my hand, like I have no control over it after that. And so, uh, so yes, you know, if I lose, I'm a little disappointed, but you know, I usually brush it off about five minutes later and then I'm ready for either my next match or to go grab a, an adult beverage from the from the venue and enjoy my time and see my other friends who are doing better than I was that day but they're doing great and I and then I become their biggest cheerleader yeah one of the things that I I, I maybe I didn't realize it or, or like I didn't necessarily expect it right um so last year because I didn't go to a ton of tournaments last year I don't think uh I definitely didn't go to as many as I wanted or hoped to but I went to Canada for the IATC mm -hmm. and I didn't like go there. I'm like, okay, like I knew I was going to meet some people, but I had no idea how many people, like I drastically underestimated the number of people that I ended up meeting. And then after going to a couple more tournaments throughout the year by like by worlds. Uh, and I think I've said this before, but I think it's worth repeating is that like, my wife's like, are you excited? I'm like, I'm super excited one to go compete, but two, I'm going to go hang out with friends that i yeah. didn't know i have yet like yeah. like it's it's so cool to be able to like go somewhere and be like feel confident you're like i would bet money i'm gonna make like good friends this weekend right yeah. like that's that's a thing that like not a lot of people like i don't think there's a lot of stuff that a, a lot of times when adults get to have that feeling right well the thing is and, and you're touching on a good point like what price can you put on the value of a friendship now I say this because uh, after been you know I've been throwing for about three years, but yet I've met friends from across the country. Uh, there was a point uh, last year, and we can get into this on a different story. But there was a point where uh, I was sort of homeless and uh, trying to figure out what my next step was going to be at that moment in time. And I traveled around for about five months, and every about every two weeks I was on someone else's couches. And about 80% of the time, there were ex friends of mine from all over the country. Uh, and uh, and I, I, I could not, I feel like I've invested into these tournaments and these, these you know, these entry fees. But what I've got out of it was these, these priceless friendships. And, and, and I, I don't think that, you know, all the trophies in the world would, 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 pair in comparison to the friendships that I've made that are worth way more to me than some little medallion that says one, two or three on it. Yeah, for sure. It's, it, uh, it's crazy to like, look at a map and just like plot. You're like, okay, yeah. friends, yeah. like 
this person there. And they're like, and then it's especially cool when uh, I, I, in the past, like on, on like a software project, they did like a little prototype where I animated where all of like the markers started and mm-hmm. then where they converged upon. And it would be cool to just see like a graphic of like, Hey, look at, here's where everybody came from for this tournament. Um, just cause it, it is cool to have like so many people from so many different places, all, you know, like, especially all like, and every, for the most part, everybody's chill. It's like, a, it's like super positive. And it's like, it's weird. Cause I, it's not something I expected when I got into x I was like, Oh, this yeah. is fun. I just like throwing, trying to hit a bullseye or trying to hit, you know, like those corner shots, like, like the, you know, like, Oh, trying to hit the clutch, hit the kill shot. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. That's like, that feels good when I do that. Cause I don't always do it. And then when you do, it feels great. And you're like, Oh, the people. It's like, right. you, like, you, you yeah. know, you come for the throwing, but then you stay for the people. Cool. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And so I just, I think it's, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a very undervalued uh, commodity. The, 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 the return on your investment in your tournaments the friendships that you get out of it. And so, so, you know, if anybody's listening, that feels like they go to the term and they owe into it, you know, every single time, you know, think about all the people that you met and all the friends that you met and, you know, how much that $100 entry fee or, or $500 weekend, whatever it was, you know, how much that's going to come back to you, you know, six months later, two years later, 10 years later, like, cause I feel like some of these friendships that I've made with all these people, like I, they're going to be friends for life. And, uh, and I feel like whatever, money that i've ever paid in an axe throwing is already come back to me at least tenfold and maybe a hundredfold by the end of my life yeah definitely at least in like the social department uh as far as like the doubt the wallet department no i'm pretty sure i'm <laughs> going to be in the red forever uh but i'll join, uh, I'll join the club me uh, too yeah it like it's always fun to like explaining to like coworkers like oh that's a thing like oh yeah, yeah. there's a the world championship like oh wow like what do you win oh it's like Oh, it's like the prize pool for everything is fifty k or whatever. Like, oh, you mm-hmm. can win fifty thousand dollars throwing axe. I'm like, well, well, you got to be the like the best in the world. And you right. get a, a like a four, a, you know, a fraction of that. But uh, they're like, oh, that's still yeah, that's still cool. You, I'm like, oh, well, hold on. I think it'd be cool if the number was higher to be the best in the world and still have to like kind of have a day job. Like, yeah, you know, you're like practice squad NFL players. It's like, oh, like they 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 get paid to do their sport, whereas like right. we, we're we're still paying to do our sport. Yeah. So yeah, um, but even but all those sports started at the same. There was a time when people were in the NFL back in the fifties and sixties that were just like, oh, I'm mailman by day and then fullback for the Cleveland Browns at night or whatever team that they played on. So same thing with baseball, same thing with professional golf. All of them started not you know, that wasn't their day job. And so, you know, uh, it's exciting to see, you know, where the sport's going to go, you know, you know, after, you know, Waddle has landed their, you know, first major sponsorship with PBR. Like, I feel like that's going to, that's, that's going to be like, hopefully the, 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 the one that kind of starts other sponsorships to go. And so I'm, I'm super excited because I, I think that, you know, the more uh, big time companies that we can kind of land for the sport, uh, you know, we can start heading in that direction where people could potentially you know make a living doing this you know a legitimate living you know not just like pay their weekend you know you know weekend fees but actually you know support their families with throwing axes so it's exciting that that uh that is the dream it's literally like uh incomprehensible to my brain uh right now it's like because like who knows we could be a year away from that we could be 10 years away from that uh i think uh also uh specifically about pbr uh I was already a PBR fan before and I'm like, uh, well, I've been trying to drink less beer. Uh, I was trying to be a little bit healthier, but, uh, 
PBR was my go-to. PBR actually uh, sponsored my favorite music festival, and uh, they don't gouge it. It was cool to go to a festival and get like yeah. uh, $5 tall boys at a festival. So it's like, uh, so it's cool. Um, I, uh, if, uh, I think it'd be cool. What are, what are like things that like are, are like tournament, like uh, logistics stuff? So it's like, all right, cool. Now we could just get like a hotel sponsor and yeah. like uh, an airline the- sponsor, yeah. a rental car sponsor, or like a, a car menu, just any of the, like the transportation and lodging type yeah. sponsors. That'd be cool too. <laughs> well, you know, like I said, I mean, I think it's just more of a, you know, how, you know, how can, you know, Axel facilitate a need, you know, when, you know, what does Hertz need, you know, what does Hilton need, you know, identifying that need, can Axel fulfill that need? And then, you know, is there something, you know, is there something in there for, for a win for both parties? Because I think, you know, obviously PBR coming on board and, you know, PBR, if anybody's associated with PBR or whoever worked on making that deal happen, thank you so much. You guys are awesome and uh, super appreciated, you know, excited to see, you know, where that's going to lead to. But I think landing that first one is the hardest, the hardest part. And then hopefully other bigger uh, companies, you know, at that PBR level, you know, whether it's Coca-Cola or, you know, rent a, you know, enterprise or, you know, those major corporations, you know, that's just exciting, you know, just like, you know, what, you know, Cornell, you know, they got like tons of big sponsorships, you know, baked beans and Johnson's and, and, you know, all their sponsorships too. So, uh, we just got to find, you know, how we can fill a need for those companies. For sure. I think, uh, I wish there was an easy way to just like aggregate the number of like, Hey, this is how many nights, uh, axe throwers spent at Hilton's in 2022 and just like add up that number and just send an email like, Hey, did you know that we had, I don't know, 10,000 nights last year. I mean, I, I think that might, uh, raise, (laughs) raise some eyebrows or like, wait, really? Maybe, uh, I don't know, but I don't don't even know who, uh, how to do that, that, whatever. Um, (laughs) uh, I, on on that similar kind of topic, right. So that's kind of like growing, growing, like essentially, like the pot or like, you know, um, one of the things, uh, I think is interesting. And I guess this is, uh, maybe directly relevant to, to your current role as a, a manager at Fondy X company. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like, that's how to kind of like basically help the people that are already kind of all in, get more out of what they've put in and what they're putting in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also curious about like, uh, you know, what you think are ways to kind of get, more people like in their first league right yeah. like, like get, get like more like first timers get because you know i think it's like you know one kind of raises the ceiling but another one like i think like lowering the floor right because i know like leagues can be expensive you know like college bill wouldn't have been able to afford a league or afford a 200 dollar axe um and so, like, so i wonder yeah, how so- you Oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say like I I think it's got to start from the the ownership and the management. You know, do they do they love the sport? Do they care enough to want to even grow leagues? Because I feel like that's it's it's a way to because leagues are a lot of work. You know, I, I'm finding that out. You know, this for these past two seasons um, in 2023 uh, winter and spring. You know, were the first time that I actually ran a league and uh, and didn't realize like you know I. I 
you know, in the previous seasons that I've been throwing, I just kind of sit back, hang out, you know, throw well and, and then hope for the best. Uh, but actually to be, you know, changing boards and, and looking at the bracket and then calling matches and scoring and running around, you know, running up to the till and, and getting somebody a drink and then running back and getting a tablet and calling another match, you know, kind of running around, which is great. But, but if the management, you know, has no interest in, in growing the league or, or if the coaches that are working there don't care about inviting people to the league, because that's kind of that's kind of how we did it. We've only had two leagues there in uh, Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, but uh, our first league was was about 40 hatchet throwers and we had just and this we had just opened our doors and so that was our very first league and then uh this this current season which is the spring which the weather's getting a little nicer so i, I we we were expecting a little bit of a dip but i think we're down to like 33 or 34 so it wasn't it's not a huge dip and and 39 and 34 are are still bigger than any league that i had ever thrown in uh whether it was in uh columbus or cleveland you know because those were kind of like the two areas where i threw leagues the most um and so uh but but it, it just started with with me and some of the other coaches at fondy saying like hey uh you're pretty good at this you know i know this is the second or third time here you know you should try league and then i hand a ace of spades i give my ace of spades you know Shout out to Dustin Wellman. I think I, I got that trick from Dustin Wellman, uh, where you just hand somebody an axe and then all of a sudden they walk away with it. And then <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Dustin Wellman. I love Dustin so much. He makes such great axes. Like there's no way that anybody can throw one of Dustin's axes and not want to fall in love with it. And uh, and so so I'll hand them a, I'll hand them a jack of clubs. I'll hand them a corporal. I'll hand them an ace of spades, and they'll start sticking. You know, because uh, our house axe is the um, the ace hardware axe, which is a really great house axe. Uh, it's small. It's light. Oh. You can stick it. I, I threw and, one uh, of those for a while in ITF. Yeah, like the little, yeah. like the little thirteen inches. Oh yeah, perfect. It's perfect. And um, uh, but then you know I give them that, and then I hand them an ace of spades, and they're just, it's like night and day. And they're like, yeah, and you can throw these in leagues. And, uh, you know, and, and so then, uh, you know, I don't know how many ace of spades or corporals and, and bad axes that we've sold over the last, you know, three or four months, but it's, it's been a good solid amount. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 but it's, but it came from a, a love of me and, and, and the owners and, you know, shout out to TJ Schultz and Tyler Schultz, you know, who had the vision to bring a venue to their home not exactly their hometown, but their home area. They're 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 from around the area, and you know to build something from scratch. And uh, but you know they have a passion for the sport because they've been throwing in it for as long as I have. You know, uh, I met TJ uh, at uh, Explosion. I think in the fall of twenty is I believe when Expl Explosion was, which was in the Chicago area. And uh, you know we've been friends ever since. And you know his brother Tyler's also traveled to tournaments as well maybe not as many as tj but but he goes to tournaments and they throw duels together but you know they had a passion that they love the sport they want to grow it they they grew up throwing i mean they grew up throwing in leagues uh in um uh in the oshkosh uh blades and boards area and uh and then brought that to to fondy and so uh it's been uh a, a way to you know not only grow the business but to grow the sport so for those venue owners or people who are wondering like how do i grow my leagues or where you know how can i make my leagues bigger i think it, it starts from management wanting to grow the leagues and i think it it, it start it go, the execution or the coaches who are pushing leagues onto it um perfect example is uh, i was speaking with um brett williamson 
who is the owner of 608 uh, uh, Axe Throwing in uh, Baraboo, Wisconsin, which is about an hour, hour and a half uh, west of Fondy. And, uh, and, and if you guys have ever met Brian Buchanan, uh, this guy is, he is a recruiting machine. Shout out to Brian. Uh, like, you know, he's, they've grown their leagues and their venue and Brian is, him and I have very similar personalities. We're pretty friendly. We're outgoing. We love axe throwing and, and he just pushes leagues like, like nobody's business. So I think it does start with the coaches and the, and the management wanting to grow leagues. And then people just, can't help to want to fall in love. It's actually a very simple process to grow, to grow the leagues. Yeah. One of the things that's cool is to watch, uh, like, I feel like every league has like its own culture, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, even, even like the same venue, like different nights or different times, you know, it's like, oh, okay. Like, you know, Oh, the, the Tuesday league might be kind of a trash talk league or like the Monday <laughs> league might be the beer league. Or the Sunday brunch league might be like a goofy costume league, and then, um, and so it's cool to kind of watch that. Like a, like so at um, at Twisted Axes, and it's like my, the league I've thrown at the longest in Oklahoma. Um, it's like like we're getting to a point now where it's like almost almost like every Sunday night it feels like you know somebody like some leaguers are going out for dinner after league, even if it's at like nine o'clock or something. It's like even maybe not dinner. It's like going to B Dubs or something. So it's it's cool that like when the it's it's like a newer thing for me with like a lot of my hobbies in the past where like the people would do the hobby together but then like not hang out outside of the hobby and i feel like axe throwing is different from that where like i feel like axe throwers will hang out even when they're not throwing axes and i think that's really cool yeah it it, it is really cool because then you know then you become into you start creating that that um connection outside of this is this thing almost like with people at work you know that you know we do the work thing but sometimes we'll go to happy hour together or we'll go do you know something together and it's just uh building that connection that you know you like what i like you like excellent i like excellent and now i like you so let's go you know let's go you know grab a grab a taco down the street or or beer or whatever and uh but no it, it is it, it is great those those little subcultures um uh, that that are created in the different leagues because I've seen like you know some leagues are just wild you know with like you know costume night or 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 Hawaiian shirt night or whatever whatever it is and so uh, I I love it I love it as long as uh, people are throwing axes together and having a great time then I'm all for it. That's awesome. Now uh, I guess so where and when are you throwing right now? So I assume sure. you're throwing at Fondy. Are you throwing <laughs> anywhere else or just kind of like just marathons and then like your normal leagues at Fondy? Yeah. So uh, right now, and uh, and and I'm probably going to take a page of some of some of the other interviews that you had because people have mentioned that you know it's it's tough to kind of throw competitively and run it at the same time. And so so I will probably in the future uh, maybe grab a, a season or or, or a marathon uh, you know nearby in to kind of supplement my my season that I'm doing at Fondy. Uh, we also are doing marathons as well, but I'm. I'm usually helping with the running of that as well. Um, I'm, I'm the I'm the type of person that I was used to throwing, you know, two two leagues a, a week uh, when I was throwing in Columbus or throwing uh, in the Cleveland area uh, between uh, Axe House Cleveland and Timber Beast, uh, bouncing back and forth between those two venues and and uh, and so so I was used to throwing in a lot of leagues. That was just my enjoyment. That's where I felt like I I got better by throwing in a lot of leagues. Um, and, uh, so I'm hoping to, 
um, to kind of expand my, my league repertoire and get a little bit out of the, the Fondy bubble. I know that uh, my duels partner, uh, Justin Reese, he throws out of Axe House Cleveland. So uh, we've sort of tried to coordinate uh, where, you know, one time or another, uh, we can do, I, I, you know, I've driven back to Axe House Cleveland and did a marathon at their, uh, at their house. Um, shout out to Tabitha and David at Axe House Cleveland. Love those two guys. And, uh, and so they're, they're incredible. Uh, I know you've had Tabitha on the, uh, on the pad, uh, podcast as well. That was the uh, most vulgar episode I think I've ever had. <laughs> shout out Tabitha. That was, uh, yeah. She's like, is it okay if I swear? I'm like, yes. And she took full advantage. <laughs> Tabitha is awesome, uh, and uh, uh, she is one of my favorite people, uh, just in general. Uh, so, uh, so yeah. So I've driven to to Axe House, Cleveland. I've done marathons at uh, at the Axe Hole uh, with the Wellmans, uh, because you know, essentially, between me and Cleveland is Dustin and Leslie Wellman <laughs> at the Axe Hole, and so I've done some marathons there and. And shout out to Dustin and Leslie. I love them as well. They're one of my favorite peeps. And uh, but I, I would like to take a little bit more advantage of some of the, the axe houses around uh, the area uh, to, to just throw and not worry about having to run things, uh, because uh, I did notice how it is a little bit harder uh, to do that and also focus on on throwing. Um, but um, uh, uh, but but yeah, that, that, that's kind of the plan moving forward. Gotcha. You uh, you mentioned Justin Reese. I met Justin last fall. It was a fun little Justin story where I think mm-hmm. it was like November. Uh, I was in Ohio for some family stuff, and I went to Timberbees just to practice. Um, I just went by myself. I don't even uh, I don't even think I had my yeah because I think I flew home kind of unexpectedly, so I didn't have my axes with me. And so I'm like, I'm just gonna go throw a house axe. I'm like, I just want to go throw. Like I just want to go throw. And so I'm throwing, and I think somebody at Timberbees, uh, one of the employees, Jacob, maybe. Is there uh, a Jacob at, at Timberbeast? Jared, there's a Jared. Jared, that sounds right. Yeah, Jared, I believe yeah. Uh, I believe Jared let me borrow his uh, his main thrower, which was cool. So that doesn't surprise me. Um, and so I'm just throwing by myself, and so uh, Justin, uh, oh, I apologize, I can't, I can't remember uh, who Justin was with, but they're like they're throwing on the uh, the neighboring lane, mm-hmm. and I'm just throwing, um, and I, I always think it's uh, interesting, like uh, not not how like if you go somewhere, but like at practice, I, maybe, you know, I'm maybe not everybody does this. Maybe, I don't know, but like you, you see how like, you're like, Oh, they just hit back to back kill shots. Like, damn, they're <laughs> really good. Uh, and I think I like recognize Justin. Cause I think I've seen his profile picture. I'd never met him up at, uh, prior, mm-hmm. but he has very distinct beard. And I was like, oh, yeah. I think that's that. I think that's Justin. Yep. Um, I'm like, no, that's fine. And so like, thrown for probably 15 minutes not even really talking like you know him and whoever he was with or you know they're doing their thing and i'm just thrown by myself and then just at like a natural kind of like stopping point it's like man like you know you're hitting them kill shot like these justin like started a conversation with me mm-hmm. um and so i started talking because i always feel weird like i'm never going to introduce myself like i'm the podcast guy like no i don't i don't that doesn't feel good i don't want to do that <laughs> uh and so like i think it was like 10 minutes in he had like mentioned somebody that I had interviewed at that point. And I was like, Oh yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I interviewed that. Or like, I think that person mentioned what you were talking about when I interviewed them for the podcast or, you know, like a couple of weeks ago or something. He's like, wait, was your last name? It's like, dude, you like your podcast got me the entire drive from Ohio to Ironside. Like, Oh, thanks man. I just appreciate that. So it was really cool. It's like a, like the, the small world situations that yeah. happen in the actual community are, are fantastic. 
Yeah, when I told Justin I was going to be on your podcast, he was he was kind of a little bit of a fanboy. I'm not going to lie. He was just like, yeah, these podcasts are awesome. Uh, they've got me through so many trips uh, between here and there, the different tournaments. And so uh, so I'm glad that you guys uh, got to have that 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 little moment uh, there at Timberbeast. And then and also shout out to Dimitri and Katie at Timberbeast. Uh, they're good people. Uh, you know, uh, if it wasn't for Timberbeast, uh, Tyler Flynn and Jay Bryant, who were the ones, the orchestrators of the monthly tournaments at Timberbeast, like I don't think the state of Ohio uh, at least from the the pro throwing community would be as strong as it was if it wasn't for some of the initial tournaments that and this was even before Ohio was even a thing. Uh, they would do these monthly tournaments at at Timberbeast, and we'd all come from all over the country. Well, not over the country, all over Ohio. Uh, although we did have people from uh, from Chicago, and people would come to tournaments. You know, that's actually where I met Jason Young for the very first time. He came down to the uh, to the uh, Timberbeast tournaments as well. I say that because I'm sitting in Jason Yelm's uh, study right now, uh, which I know you guys can't really see if you're listening on the podcast, but I'm going to just swing this camera around really quick so Bill can see it, so Bill can get a kick out of it. But literally, he's got like this leather-bound book connection, uh, collection right behind me. So it's it's like literally, it sounds it's you know it's like a you know uh, something out of like Anchorman, where like you know his his study smells like rich mahogany. Uh, and so, uh, so I met Jason Yelm that way for the very first time. And, you know, we've been buddies ever since. And, uh, but if it wasn't for Dimitri and, and Katie and, and Tyler, you know, you know, really pushing, you know, these monthly tournaments and having them, uh, on a consistent basis, like, I don't think Ohio would be, uh, have as many great throwers as, as they do. And, and so it just like, uh, it's something that Josh Russo says a lot. And I, I think it's a great expression where iron sharpens iron. And I know Josh is not the one who created this, but he says this quite often that iron sharpens iron. And, and, and I feel like it's like, it, you know, the Philly crew is the same way. Like, you know, all those Philly guys, you know, beating up on each other. And that's why they're all great throwers in Philly and, and, you know, Texas now, you know, with all their great throwers in Texas, you know, I feel like they, they should have their own little like division of Waddle, like, cause there's so many great throwers, you know, in Texas, you know, now they're beating up on all each other. So it's, it's amazing that that you know how competition breeds better competition and just everyone playing against each other getting stronger. I know Florida's coming on the scene too. There's a lot of great Florida down in Florida. It's 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 exciting. It's a uh, it's cool how like uh there's like these like regional hubs like uh-huh. uh, I know like uh I think like Colorado, I mean Wisconsin. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, Denver, all the primal guys. Oh my god, they're amazing. Yeah. It, it's all, and it's funny cuz I like I uh obviously i i have to work but i want to go to like all of them. like you know like that's like <laughs> like I, I so i just want to be retired and just drive around and go to different axe throwing venues yeah but uh but that'd be an expensive retirement <laughs> um cool uh so i guess what um so what what equipment are you throwing for the different disciplines sure. right now okay yeah so uh so right now uh for hatchet uh, I'm throwing a, a, a rain axe, David Carroll, uh, Axe House Cleveland. Uh, I'm throwing a 16-inch uh, uh, rain axe, um, uh, King of Dime or King of Diamonds that that uh, David actually modified for me, uh, you know, quite a bit because uh, because of the head weight. You know, I like a, a, a head weight that's a, more closer to about a pound and a half. And I know the King of Diamonds comes in at around like a pound and 12 ounces, maybe pound and 11 ounces. So he shaved, shaved it down, put a really awesome Cerakote. I'm a little jealous because I think I, 
I was one of his first Cerakotes that he did on his axes. And then like a lot of other people got the same exact color Cerakote. And I'm like a little, like, I'm happy that people like that color, but I was a little sad because like, oh, I wanted that to be my color. But <laughs> it's really, it's like almost like a Batman gray, like a dark, like gray. That's almost like, it's not really black. It's not really gray. It's like somewhere in between. It's a really awesome color. And uh, yeah, and, and and shout out to David Carroll. He does amazing, amazing work. Uh, that guy, you know, he's he, now he's busy. He's like can't even take commissions anymore. He's so busy. Uh, but he does have a really important day job. So I'm, he doesn't do it full full time. But but he does great work. So that's what I'm throwing for hatchet. Uh, for duels, uh, I'm throwing a uh, bear claw uh, with a Dustin Wellman handle. Uh, which used to be my main throwing axe for last year. So that's I switched over, donated my my main axe to my duels axe, and so now that's what I'm throwing for duels. Uh, for big axe, um, I'm throwing. Now this is this is kind of funny. I'm. Um, you mentioned if I had thrown IATF, and I had, and uh, and I was trying to uh, keep up with the Joneses because like everybody, I felt like who was good in big axe was throwing one handed. So so I worked with Dustin, and you know, and 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 he's like the king of making big axes. And I I know a lot of other people have said that on this podcast. You know, if you need a big axe, Dustin Wellman's your guy, and I would one thousand percent agree with that. Get in the queue. Uh, yeah, get in the queue. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get in the queue. Exactly. Uh, and so I was, you know, literally at the axle with Dustin and he's working at making this awesome one-handed big axe for me. And, you know, it was sticking okay, but I felt like maybe with more practice, I, I, I would get better at it. Unfortunately, I threw two seasons, two terrible seasons with it. And it just didn't work for me. I decided to like, uh, just not, I almost got to the point where I didn't even want to throw big axe anymore. Like it was getting, I was getting so frustrated, but before that I was throwing two-handed IATF step big axe that's what i threw for so when i threw itf big axe and i and model big axe it was literally the same exact throw so um so once i couldn't do the one-handed throw i literally went back to my itf you know 25 inch four inch blade plum national boy scout uh that i for whatever reason can stick really well and i can just put it where i want to uh it doesn't have a ton of coverage and, you know, with that curve on the bottom of those plum nationals, like for ITF, it's perfect because then you minimize your, you know, your hit. And then especially if you toe in, it's even less coverage. So it's like really good for ITF. Uh, maybe not so great for Waddle, but but I'm super duper accurate with it and I'm super comfortable. And 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 um, that's what I throw for my big axe. It's a it's a Gabe Grinnell uh, big axe that I bought back at, at 2020 Ironside from Gabe Grinnell. I was literally staying at his house. And he was grinding away at it, and I just stared at it for like a day, drooling over it. And uh, shout out to Gabe Grinnell. I'm gonna just do shout out for everybody, uh, and other makers. Uh, but you know, if you if you want a beautiful functional axe, you know, Gabe is on another level. Like like there's there's makers, and then there's Gabe, who is just like put in so much time, made so many axes that they're literally like almost museum pieces because they're so beautiful. Uh, you know, I feel like him and Kyle Durant are like, you know, just up there with the craftsmanship and the beauty. Like it's it's unparalleled. And I know you've had Kyle on the on the podcast as well. And, you know, he's super talented as well. Um, uh, I haven't had a pleasure to, to throw or, or purchase one of Kyle's axes. I hopefully will someday. Uh, I, I feel like I'm just spoiled between David and Dustin, or David and Dustin right now. Uh, and, uh, but... For big axe, you know, so I have a Boy Scout, you know, Plum National, 25 inch uh, handle. Even with the, I have even the ring curve on the on the bottom of the handle, just like an ITF. Uh, and then for uh, knives, I'm throwing um, Barbarians. 
I was touring Blackhawks like everybody else was in 2022. Uh, and then uh, and then uh, during the after Worlds and before the winter season, you know, that three or four weeks, whatever it was, that delay, you know, I was trying a bunch of different knives. Um, uh, thought that I was going to go with the Highlanders. So that's what I ended up buying with the Highlanders. Tried it for a while. They were sick. Of, they were working for them. But at the venue, uh, 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 TJ had bought a set of uh, barbarians as our house knives. And so that's the knives that I would demo with, you know, for customers. So customers wanted to throw knives. I'd demo with the barbarians and then they would throw them and not stick. But, they, you know, they'd have a good time with them. But I was just so good with them. I was like, why don't I just use these as my house and my knives? So I literally traded my Highlanders to the venue and I and I snagged the house barbarian. So then that's what I throw. And funny thing enough, TJ now throws, you know, uh, some of those Highlanders because he, he bought a set for himself as well. And then one of them broke and he snagged one of those, the three that we use at the venue for himself. And, uh, and so now he's just, oh my God, he's so great and, uh, so great at knives and, uh, you know, spoiler alert for whoever's listening to this, cause this is already whenever someone listens to this, but you know, he won knives at PLS, you know, spring fling. Uh, so he was the knife champion. And, uh, so I'm with your still- Highlanders. Well, one of them, I think one of them is, so I'm, <laughs> so I can consider myself one third, uh, one third knife champion at PLS spring fling 2023. You, uh, and so you blessed uh, those. <laughs> I did. I did. Uh, uh, and so, uh, so one third, one third is my doing <laughs> two thirds is TJ. And, uh, and so, no, I'm, I'm so proud. And, and, you know, he, he, you know, he, he works hard at knives and, you know, he hasn't been throwing knives nearly as long. In fact, I think I started throwing knives before he did. And I think I was literally like, he was asking me, how do you throw knives? Like the first day. And then by the second day, he was already throwing better than me. And so, so I had, I was better than him for like one day. And then the second day he came back and just started beating me. And then I was like, okay, um, all right, I got to get better at knives. I uh, I just got my first set of knives. Uh, I got uh, I got the Muertos, uh, the graffiti okay. ones, because I think the I was just gonna get the black ones. I'm like, I don't care. I'll save ten dollars for the black ones. Then I think the black ones were out of stock on the day order. I'm like, all right, graffiti it is. Um, <laughs> Those are they're I, sharp. They're good looking knives. I uh, but I, I haven't actually got a chance to throw any knife leagues. Yet. I've only done one knife competition that was at the Clash down in College Station. Uh, it did okay. not do well. Um, I think my very first match was against Theodoro. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's won some things. He's, 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 he's okay. <laughs> yeah. There's uh maybe, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't win. It. I went 0 and 2 in knives. Um, but, uh, I'm throwing knives again at, uh, Riverbend two weeks ish. Nice. Oh, we good. Can, we so we're going to get to hang out again. So I'll be at Riverbend as well. Cool. That's all. I, uh, I, for the longest time, I did not realize, uh, I, I'm, like dumb in certain ways where like uh if if you know how to sell me on something the right way i'm like hell yeah i'm in but mm-hmm. it, like if it's not that way i'm like yeah and so like it's like oh riverbend like and it's in illinois i'm like well it's not chicago and that's the only city i really i mean like, there's other places in illinois but like yeah. okay it's not chicago and there's not a lot of other places in illinois i'd be like stoked to go to um <laughs> and it's like oh it's basically st louis metro oh yeah, i like st louis basically st louis yeah it's like oh I should have just said St. Louis, but I realized it's a different state. That's fine. So uh, I'm stoked to go to St. Louis uh, and start to see everybody at Riverbend. So that'll be exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah, shout out Dan and Erica by Nielsen. They're awesome people too. I'm going to just shout out everybody I know. And that's just really drop, all the podcasts. Name, like like name drop like a mofo. 
and uh and so they're awesome they're awesome people too and i'm super i was really bummed i wasn't able to go last year to riverbend and then of course everyone told me how much what a great time they had and how awesome the venue was and how how the tournament was so great and so so i'm i'm pumped for two weeks from or 10 days or whatever it is like the beginning of first weekend in may may the may the fourth be with you oh yeah that's right uh, star wars <laughs> yeah. uh when i was uh when i lived in austin i think it's my first first or second year in austin uh they so like paddleboarding on the Colorado River is real popular there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on May the fourth, one time I went paddleboarding, and then I saw a stormtrooper paddleboarding. Not no, <laughs> that was it. There was no other like they like they had like two people with them. They weren't yeah. in costume. They were just in normal clothes. But also <laughs> May and Austin can be hot. So uh, oh, yeah. I, I applaud their commitment. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm actually born and raised in Texas. I'm I'm uh, I'm originally from South Texas, Rio Grande Valley uh mccallan edinburgh border is where i grew up and so i i tell people that uh i grew up i tell people like if you know the shape of texas that little bottom little boot tip drive down to to mexico try back up about 10 miles and then you'll be at my house and so uh so i grew up in uh in the bottom tippy top of uh, texas where everything's in spanish and in english that's awesome i uh uh i've been to uh big bend national park a few times and it's Mm -hmm. fun to like they're like oh here's the rio grande you're like, <laughs> I I could just walk to Mexico real quick. Oh yeah, I'll be I'll be back in like ten seconds. So it's like, all right, well, when the water when the water's calm, if it's raging, then you can't even go to the hot springs. Um, yep. But uh, man, you've lived all over. So you're from Texas, yeah. uh, Massachusetts, uh, yep. Ohio, Wisconsin. I went to college in 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 Northern California. California. Television producer in L.A. So so yeah, I've lived in a lot of places. How many How many states have you lived in, or do we get them all? Um, let's see, uh, Texas, uh, Florida, New Orleans or Louisiana, uh, Colorado, uh, California, um, Massachusetts, New York. Um, I'm trying to think if there's other one. I might be missing one or two. Ohio, obviously Ohio. Uh, those are all the ones that are coming straight to mind. I'm probably missing one or two, but I've, I've lived on everywhere but the northwest that's probably the only place that i really haven't lived or the 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 northern part of well i guess now wisconsin too so there we go i'm in i'm in up here in the middle uh as well so i've lived in a lot of places i feel like you're at like that's almost 10 i feel like you're like it's like 20 percent of the country correct (laughs) uh also when you you were talking about um you know like the cleveland and columbus and monthly tournaments uh Mm -hmm. i hope y'all had like a a strong uh like carpool situation going because like that uh, that's a lot of two-hour drives. Oh, yeah. two, two. I seventy-one. Uh, I feel like I could do that drive with my eyes closed. I've literally made that drive twice in one day, where it's like, okay, driving Cleveland or like Columbus to Cleveland on Saturday morning, and then back at or like at that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, literally, it would be like every every Saturday or Sunday, whenever the tournament was, or whenever we'd go up to Timberbeast, it was like me, Jess, Josh and zach and then you know we'd take turns of who's driving we'd stop at the same denny's on the way up there and have our little power breakfast before we go to the go to the venue and so those were good times but it was literally 71 all the way up there stop at uh grandpa's cheese barn <laughs> i don't think yeah. i ever went there we were we were we were denny's all the way we'd always stop at the same denny's i think that was in like Ash- ashland maybe i don't know oh all okay right. yeah, yeah i know where ashland is um Oh, also, uh, when you're talking about uh, your dual zacks, uh, earlier you mentioned uh, Ryan Gustin. At Throw mm-hmm. Ohio last year, uh, me and uh, Frank Cochran just randomly 
partnered in duels. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I think we got knocked out by was like Kyle and Ryan. Kyle and Ryan, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Ryan's like, yeah, I don't, I don't like. He's like the Kings. I think had just kind of like just came out or something or like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't think I like this one. I think I'm gonna sell it. And so I bought it off him. It still has a flying squirrel sticker on it. So that's uh, my <laughs> duels axe is Ryan Gustin's old uh, well, king. No, he he has the 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 one of a kind, the uh, the most special axe that I think I know of in axe throwing. He has the Yomodoro. Now the Yomodoro is a axe. I've never even heard of this. I don't even know yes, what it is. The Yomodoro is a very special axe that was originally purchased by i believe jason yelm and then i think he sold it to michael theodoro and then michael theodoro did some metal work on it to kind of give it uh like almost like a stubby like he cut it like at a certain angle where if you over rotate and i think ryan likes to over rotate when he throws his axis so it's got like it's got a weird kind of like 45 degree angle where it over rotates it lands flat and um and i saw the yomodoro over the weekend and now it's even shorter than ever because of you know how duels goes that because he uses it for hatching he uses it for duels and so uh you know through like you know collisions and fixing the blade and so uh i i think that is the most special axe and axe throwing is the yomodoro that ryan throws and uh and so uh i i I wish it nothing but but success, but I think the Yamadoro day or days are numbered because now it can only get so much shorter because it's really really stubby. I uh, it, it's kind of fun to imagine like the, like I guess the the travel path of an action. Like all right, well it's start they they bought it first and then they <laughs> sold it to them and then they that person traded it to this person for this right. other thing, and then it got sold again and just like to see like uh. You're like man this axe has been owned by like four different people yeah yeah it, it is it is amazing my my thing is that uh like i don't have a ton of axes like in my axe collection but usually if i'm not throwing something then i usually like to sell them to my leaders and so that's kind of like i've like at one point in one of my leagues uh in columbus like there was like four leaguers with one of my old axes and uh it was just hilarious to me that you know the, all the different like iterations of axes that i've had and then then i sell them to to leaguers and then use that money to give it to dustin or david or whoever's going to make my axe and and make me another one that's yeah, like a all right i'll take these four stock ones to try i rolled the dice on and then i so, yeah. sold all those that cash all those in for one nice one Oh yeah, I had two Gen One Ace of Spades that I I cashed in on when that was the, the 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 rage and and sold them even though they were you know I didn't want to part with them. Uh, they the I, I actually I think I made money on those guys because of how much when I first bought them compared to when I first bought them. I never had a Gen One. I, I remember when they're like they're coming out with uh, the the new Ace of Spades are coming out. I'm like oh well, everybody had such rave reviews about the first one, so I'm like I'll buy this right. one and then I buy it and I go throw it. I'm like. Nope. I don't see what the big deal is. And then I like uh, Ben Gaddy at Twisted X is like, yeah, the profile on the second gen is way thicker than the one on the, I was like, I yeah. wouldn't know. But... Yep. <laughs> so, but uh, I still have it. Actually, that's what I threw my 64 with. So I can't. Hey, congratulations. Uh, that's, well, uh, yeah. That's a big accomplishment. Did you get your, did you get your coin and your patch and everything? I got, I got no coins. I got no patches. Oh, Ooh, we got to get Ben on that one. Ben, if you're listening uh, or whomever, who's ever got the 64 coins, we got to get Bill, hook him up. I also, I just got, I uh, actually got a fun story about uh 64 coin. So uh, I can't remember his last name, but uh, Dustin out of Tulsa throws a, at Gotwood. Uh, so when hmm. uh, I was down in College Station for the Clash, mm-hmm. um, 
that was my duels partner. It was his first tournament. Okay. And he got he got a 64 uh, in a marathon league like a couple weeks prior, right? And so that was his first, his only 64. And telling that story to Dustin, and I'm going to, man, Bob's my can't remember that name. Sorry, Dustin. Um, yeah. So then uh, he's like, oh, man, do you have your 64 coin yet? And my duels partner, Han, Han's like, oh no, what's that? And he's like, oh, challenge coin, right? Okay. And so Dustin's like, oh, I got one in my backpack. Uh, so I can give it to you when we get back to the venue. Like, okay, cool. And so then uh, Dustin gives Han the 64 coin. Uh, and then, uh, like, I forget exactly how it came up, but later I was like, um, you know, they'll explain how it works or whatever. Uh, I just, cause I, I, I actually don't know exactly how it works because ha- it hasn't been something I've had to worry about. Um, right. <laughs> but, uh, maybe, maybe how asked me how, I don't remember, but I was like, yeah, t- uh, I don't even have one of those. So congrats, man. That's awesome. Uh, and he's like, wait, how you, what, why'd you, why did I get one before you? I'm like, I don't know, man. Did somebody like, did, I'm not upset about it. I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, yeah. like, well, you know, once you get one, then you're in the game and there's, there's some people that don't want one at all. Cause they don't want to play the game. And so it's, 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 uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, Dylan Teats got caught over the weekend uh, without his coin, and so it was a very expensive dinner. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Young, young and vibrant champ, uh, Dylan Teats, because uh, he didn't have his coin on him, and it was literally a table of like thirty axe throwers uh, that 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 got challenged, and so uh, it was a it was a pretty fun moment over the weekend I, that Dylan got caught. I guess for those that don't know, will you yeah, explain yeah. how the game works? Sure. Okay. Well. The way when I first got my coin uh, from Vin, uh, he gave me an 81 coin uh, for, for my ATF. And he's like, hey, uh, here's this coin. Uh, you've thrown an 81, right? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, here, here, hold on to it. I was like, okay, thanks, Vin. That was it. That was the explanation that I got. And then I got added to the Facebook group. And then there was like this, this, like this PDF with all the rules. And, and I was like, I'm not going to read this. But uh, essentially, it's a challenge coin that uh, you need to carry. If you've been given one, you have to carry it with you almost at all times, especially around axe throwers. Uh, so uh, the way the game works is if, if you're going to challenge a, a, a group of throwers, um, you have to challenge and bring out your coin. And then anyone who's ever received one and thrown one of these games has to bring theirs out. And if somebody, if everybody who you've challenged has their coin, then you got to buy drinks for everybody. So that's a, but if there's somebody in the group in the circle who does not have their coin, who has been given a coin, they have to buy drinks for everybody else. So that's kind of pretty much in a nutshell how the game is played. Uh, so if you're at any axe throwing tournament and you've gotten one of these coins, you care, you might as well just like, I don't know, like put a piece of tape, tape it to your arm. <laughs> uh, I saw somebody on, on the water page, like come out with like these little keychains with like a little circle where you, I know that's, I know Justin has one of these where he's got it like, like, uh, in, on his like belt loop and, uh, and it's got like a coin there. So like, you know, no one's going to mess with Justin. Justin's got like three or four like deep of of coins uh and uh and and and, and it, it, it's a lot of fun but like for me i carry mine in my wallet and it just like actually i probably let me see i know you guys can't see this on the on the uh on the stream but it's like here's my wallet and then not that bill is challenging me or anything but here's my here's that 81 coin it's the same I, one that they gave me I, uh, I don't have i don't have one of those either i've got a handful <laughs> of 81s no coin they're solid i, I mean I mean, they're probably, I think they're like two inches in diameter. I'm not quite sure, but it looks a little bit bigger than the water bullseye. 
and so I think they're two inches, but I'm not sure. The cool ones are the the championship coins because they're it's, like Vale Vail are... dropped one of those uh, after the clash, uh, and I was like. Why is that one twice as big? He's like, because I won a 64 plus person tournament. Like, okay, that, uh, that's a good answer. Vale's a character. I love Vale. Nipples. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, also, uh, shout out to uh, Joe Nestler. Just through his 1,081. I was, I've already been like, like DMing him about that. Like, and, sure. and, um, and, but it's like, I think that just got announced, what, today, yesterday? 1,081's a wow. standard. That's amazing. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Incredible. Um, um, so, well, uh, th- thank you for uh, enlightening and kind of shedding, elaborating on like the challenge coin. Uh, challenge coin, yeah. Poor, 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 poor Dylan. <laughs> oh no, yeah, poor Dylan. Yeah, and so like, like, uh, like, 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 like Lucas Johnson refuses to have a coin. Like he will not. Like nope, nope. I don't want a coin. Like Lucas throws like four sixty fours in in a weekly league and does not want a sixty four coin. <laughs> he doesn't want. So the- doesn't want. He doesn't want to play the game. Uh, but it's 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 tons of fun. Uh, it's just something that uh, it's another thing that axe throwers can bond over, and uh, and just you know enrich uh, friendships. I, I know that uh, our our in, in the Ohio community, and I, I'm sure Zach's gonna hate this that I say this, but he was always our like go to like oh we're pretty sure like Zach doesn't have his coin, and we'd whip it out, and of course Zach doesn't have his coin, and uh, drinks on Zach. And so, uh, but he's learned his lesson. Now he's really good about turning his coins. Is there, is there like a cap? Like you can only get one, like get caught once per day. I, I don't know. I'd never read the PDF. Okay. <laughs> I just, I just listened to Vin saying like, hold on to it. And that, that's my rule of thumb is like, I just don't want to get caught without buying. But, like, uh, but it does take a lot of room in my wallet. Yeah. I'm just imagining like, like, I'm just imagining like you fly somewhere and you forgot it for the whole weekend and word gets oh out. <laughs> That is like, I mean, that that could be like the worst thing that you can do when you go to an axe tournament and not have your coin. Um, I usually, you know, you guys can probably catch me without my coin when I'm not going to an axe tournament because I don't keep it in my wallet when I'm not at a tournament. Once I get back home uh, after this tournament, I'll put it back until I go to Riverbend. I, uh, I also didn't realize that it was essentially like whoever like starts it is essentially like sticking their neck out. Right. Correct. Yeah, yeah. If you oh, yeah. challenge everybody, then you're you have a good shot at, at actually buying drinks. And I forgot. I I don't remember who challenged it for Dylan because I think they were full. They were pretty much set that they were gonna have to buy drinks for everybody. But I don't really. I don't remember who called who called it. But I just remember Dylan not having his coin. Gotcha. So the benefit is if you do have a, if you do get a coin and you do keep it on you, basically if if you didn't start it and you have yours, you're like, well, I'm getting a free drink. Yeah, one way or another, <laughs> one way or another, that some someone is someone is going to get me a drink. Okay, all right. So that sounds like the most advantageous position to be is to Correct. always have it and never start it. Yeah, yeah, always have it and then try to get someone else to start it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, uh, now I know. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I'd probably be I'd probably be a good mark because uh, I'm pretty forgetful. All right. Um, <laughs> Speaking of challenge coins, right? Challenge coins come from you know achieving milestones. Yep. Uh, let's hear about some of your your milestones. Like, what, yeah, do, you, yeah. do you remember? Like, you know, how many of them do you remember? Yeah, well, because I, I think you've asked this question, like this version of the question of like you know either memorable matches or like, and I feel like I have I've had one like almost every year of my of my throwing experience. So uh, my first one was in uh, at twenty twenty uh, WATC. Uh, this is the one in Atlanta. 
And uh, uh, I started throwing in the fall of 2019 uh, was my first waddle season. And, uh, and I remember that, uh, that December in 2019 was the world championship in, in Arizona. Uh, and like Zach and Josh and, and, you know, they went out there and I didn't really know what it was all about, but it seemed pretty cool. And then uh, I, people were streaming it. And I got to see the venue and, and Sam Carter ended up winning the world championship. And I was like, I thought that was the coolest thing. And he, you know, him and Sycon just duking it out in the finals and uh, ended up being on YouTube. And, and I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this have probably watched that, uh, that, that uh, replay. And, uh, and so fast forward to a year later, uh, I qualified, I, I barely qualified for the 2020 uh, WATC. Uh, it was just a huge accomplishment for me. Like I was just like, it was like a goal of mine. I didn't think I would be able to do it. You know, I had only been throwing, um, you know, I started in, you know, basically a year prior and, uh, and then we got shut down for, uh, for almost half of the year because of quarantine. And, uh, but I was one of those, uh, uh, nut jobs who was like really into, uh, Quattle, uh, QATL. So not, I, I think a lot of people miss Quaddle, even like, obviously not the quarantine part of Quaddle, sure. but just like the remote throwing, like, Oh, right, I want to throw right, somebody yeah. in Australia. Yeah. And so, so, you know, before Quaddle, you know, I was, you know, barely breaking, you know, probably not even throwing in the fifties yet. And, uh, and then, you know, no one had nothing to do for, for about three months. And, uh, thankfully, you know, uh, Mike Morton, uh, Tristan Ledbury, uh, Gavin Casey, you know, uh, worked with Waddle to create that, that, that whole system to use the Waddle app, but they were kind of running the show and shout out to the godfathers of Quaddle because, you know, I don't think I'd be in this conversation or throwing axes as well as I am without QATL. Uh, I remember there was a few of us who like, nobody knew who we were before we went into Quaddle and then we came out and started doing really well in tournaments, you know, uh, Colby and Theo are the ones that come to mind the most. Cause I, I remember playing a ton of matches with those, those two knuckleheads. And literally it was like, I had to schedule like 30 minutes with maybe 45 with Theo, five minutes to throw, and then about 30 minutes to chat. And then uh, Kobe was a little bit better. Like it was like, you know, five minutes to throw and then maybe 10 or 15 minutes to chat. But, but I love Theo. Michael is one of my most favorite people in Axeline. I mean, obviously he's everyone's favorite. He's the, the 2022, uh, what is it, community member of the year. And that's, so I, that sounds right. Yeah, twenty. Yeah, the, the last year at Worlds, he got the like. I'm the community member of the year, which is a very well earned deserve from Michael. Like he is, he is awesome. And for those of you uh, who haven't gotten a hug from Michael Theodora, you're not, uh, you're missing out because he's a great hugger and he's an awesome, a great hugger and even awesome person. Uh, but uh, getting back to Worlds in 2020, WATC, you know, went through Quaddle, got a lot better. Uh, I went to Ironside and Explosion, and, and those were my first couple of tournaments and made, you know, a little bit deeper runs in each one of those tournaments. But I never won more than like two wins in any tournament up until that point. So I get to 2020 Worlds, uh, and I'm just like super happy to be here. And uh, I did, had no expectations. I didn't care if I went 0-2. I didn't care what I did. I was just like so happy to be there, meeting everybody, throwing. You know, it, you know, it was just beyond what I thought was even possible for me. So even being there was a win. I didn't care what had happened. And then, you know, I win one match. And then I win another match. And then my third match is against Zach Crawford. And then he's the guy that's like in my league. I throw with him all the time. I never beaten, I'd never beaten Zach up until that point. 
And I am just like, okay, this is where I'm getting knocked down to be. All right, this doesn't matter, but I'm going to have fun with this. And then I win. And I was just like, whoa, mind blown. I couldn't believe I, I slayed the, you know, you know, up until that point, I could not beat Zach, you know, and he was just like my super boss at the end of the video game that could not get past. And then, uh, and then I get this other guy named Garrett Knighting. Who knew, who's that guy? <laughs> and then I got past Garrett and I was like, what is happening? I can't, I didn't know what I, I was just having fun, you know, and I, I did most of the time I didn't know who I was throwing against, other than Zach. I didn't know who I was throwing against. And then uh, I get to this match and, uh, and I see, I looked at the bracket because, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't care who I play, but I do like looking at the bracket and then I get Sam Carter. And then I was like, oh, wow. Like I knew who he was. Like I knew who he is. That's the reigning champ. He's right? the reigning champ. Yeah. At the time he was the reigning champ. And so I was like, oh, cool. And then right before I go up there, someone told me, hey, man, good luck on your ESPN match. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, this is the match to go to ESPN. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I guess, I guess, hold on, like, I'm, I'm going to call timeout. So, like, yeah. back then, because I feel like last year, 2022, that was my first time mm -hmm. ever, like, going to Waddle Worlds. Yeah. Um, but it, it seemed like people knew, like, like, did you... Like, did, did everybody know? And like, you were just the only person that like, oh wait, I didn't realize that this is when ESPN started. No, I, I, I had no idea. I had no okay. idea. So, just, every, so other people well, knew and you're just like, you're just out of the loop. I'm just, I'm just like, Hey, I just, I'm doing well. I've, I've won four bracket, a, a, a bracket matches at the world championship. I'm like, this is awesome. Uh, I had never won four matches in an A bracket before. <laughs> and so, uh, and so, and at the time at 2020 Worlds, it was one ginormous bracket. So it wasn't like broken up into like little pieces like there are now, which is a way better system, by the way. Uh, Cause you would throw one match and then sit down for like two hours and then you would throw another match and sit down for two hours. And then- that Sounds like uh, a nightmare. Oh God, it was so bad. It was like, I don't even know how anybody threw well cause well, we sit down for so long. Well, and then and, you get hungry, right? And you're like, but I can't yeah. go get food. Like, yeah. Oh, well, they did have food outside the, the like, oh, they, they had, like food trucks and stuff like that. So that was, you know, they did a really good job about that. Like that part of it, the logistics of feeding people that's good so um so then um so then i like find out that this is the match to go to espn and i was like whoa this is like a big deal <laughs> and like you know you know every all my friends are watching and and i couldn't even i i couldn't even hold my axe i was so nervous and so uh, needless to say uh, Sam won, and uh, and, we, and we still joke about it. I, I saw Sam this weekend. He brought it up this past weekend, and he, 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 we reminisced about that. He's just like, dude, I was, like, cheering for you. Like, you should have won that match. And I'm like, Sam, come on. You, you're the, you were, at the time, the reigning world champion. I was, like, you know, some new guy who was, like, on a hot streak. And, uh, you know, and it was just one of those runs where, like, you know, I wasn't thinking about it. I was just, like everything was easy. I was in the floor. I'd never like, you know, and I think other people have talked about it. Like I know, I think Dylan talked about it on his, his interview where he just felt like he was in the flow and wasn't overthinking anything and just everything was landing. And, and then I started thinking about it when I found out, Oh, I'm going to be on ESPN if I win this match. And it, and I would have been in as a, as a, as an A winner into the ESPN bracket. Uh, and so, um, uh, and so it was like, that was super surreal for me. Like that was my first like big time moment. I think that's where like a lot of the top throwers kind of like knew me or met me or like, like heard my name. And so, and usually when, when somebody who's unknown makes a run or, or, or does really well at a tournament, then all everybody's ears kind of 
perk up because they're like, "Ooh, who's that? Uh, who's this new guy?" And so, um, and so, I think that's when you know some of the like upper throwers started to recognize me, and 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 I started to meet them because I was you know playing against them, and uh, so that was a really cool moment in 2020 to almost to get to the match to go to ESPN, which. Uh, I've come, I've come really close again to get to the match to get to ESPN, I, uh, and, and obviously that's the dream to to, to do that, uh, to get on the broadcast. Uh, but that was my cool moment from 2020. Uh, in 2021, uh, my cool mm-hmm. moment was. Well, actually, out? before before you get to the the 2021 thing, yeah. uh, so you, you said you had to go through Zach, right? And you like, yes. you said you had never beaten Zach before. Never, never, right? never. Um, what like what did, like what did that do? to your confidence right because i feel like i I imagine everybody has their version of zach right they have that person in league that right they've never beaten right Mm -hmm. and and i and i've had like i've had those people before like uh, i think for the longest time uh i think like ryan siegfried in oklahoma oh yeah Uh, like i was a great thrower like i like i would just he would just like you know and it was like weird to like how like you're, you know, what you consider like progress is like yeah, relative. Well, well, the thing was, is that, um, because it, because it was him and I knew him so well, like, I felt like I could focus a little more and, um, and not like try too hard. If that makes any sense. Like I wanted like you're to relaxed. More. I wanted, like, I, I, I wanted to be serious, but not put too much pressure on myself to try to overthrow because I felt like the times that I've kind of overthrown, meaning that I tried too, too hard, like I was wanting it so, so badly that I throw terrible. And I I think that's kind of what happened when I threw against Sam later that day, uh, that I wanted it so, so bad, gripping so hard, um, trying so hard to try to, and, and essentially, if I could sum it up, I didn't believe in myself. I didn't believe in my own throws and believe in my own abilities at, you know, when I, when I would try too hard, mm-hmm. uh, when I believed in myself, trusted my throw and said, like, I know how to do this. I've done this a thousand times in practice. Maybe, well, maybe I'm not at 2020. Maybe I've done it a hundred times in practice. <laughs> By now it's been like 1 million times in practice. Uh, but at that time it was like, I know how to do this. Let's get this done. And believe in and be kind of like almost my own biggest cheerleader. Like, you know, I think people have talked about self-talk, like self-talk while they're in the lanes. And I am very much a self-talker where uh, I don't I don't tell myself like I'm the best. Uh, I tell myself you're going to hit this. You're going to hit this skill shot. You're going to hit it. I know you're going to do it. Hit the skill shot. And then if I don't, well, you're going to hit the next one. <laughs> hit this bullseye. No, you'll hit the next one. You, I promise you hit it. And so, so I'm a more of a, like, a, like, I just want to say positive words to myself, hit this bullseye, hit this kill shot, rather than like, I'm the best axe thrower or I'm going to win. Like it's a more like, I guess, process focused rather than results focused. Okay. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I mean, being a ADHD person, I don't know how to turn off my brain. Uh, mm-hmm. that's usually what I like about axe throwing is that like, okay, but it, it's still just going. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. what's all right. What's the angle. All right, where's you know like all right, where's where's my x-axis where's my y-axis what's the angle of my all right where's all right what's the tension in my elbow and it's right. just like this like perpetual feedback just this sure. loop of um hey. but i've had those moments where it's like you know for a match it's like oh i didn't i wasn't thinking about my throw i was just yeah. throwing and so and, and it gets to that point and and ryan smith talks like talks about this in his book that sort of like 
un, uh, unconscious competence or where the point where everything is like happens automatic. Like you've done it so many times. And oh, shout out to Ryan Smith for writing that book. Thank you, Ryan, for writing that book. Uh, it's a great book. And it is. Um, and, uh, um, you know, you know, sort of believing that you know what you're doing and then just, you know, knowing that you just got you just kind of trust your throat. You just have to because you've put in the time, you've put in the effort, trust it and uh and and let it go and and i felt like when i did that during that little run that i had in 2020 worlds uh or watc uh that i was doing that and i wasn't overthinking and i didn't have a lot of tournament experience to know i almost like i i i it was almost um it was so nice because i didn't know what i didn't know because I, I that was only like my second or third tournament was watc 2020 uh i didn't know what i didn't know which was great because i was like ignorance is bliss and uh and it was just like just had this really magical run that uh you know i've only recreated a few other times in my accident career but uh it was it was it was very obviously memorable because I was kind of like the question like you know memorable highlight moments and things like that uh, and that was the one from 2020. That's awesome and uh, okay yeah I think before I cut you off you're about to start the That's 2021 a, so oh, let's yeah. hear the 2020 uh, 2021 story. Yeah, so 2021 story is basically at um, Show Me State uh, in um, at um, uh, Casey Jenny's uh, venue at uh, Tommy Hawks mm -hmm. and so, in, uh, Springfield. Springfield. Yeah, Springfield. Yeah, in Springfield, Missouri. And um, and so for me, you know, everyone has that monkey on their back, which whether it's throwing a 64 or throwing an 81 or whatever, whatever, winning your league, you got the monkey on your back. So for me, my monkey was I had never won a major tournament, uh, like a major big time tournament, like like 60 plus person kind of tournament. Like I'd won leagues before and I'd won like maybe some smaller things, but I had never won a big time, big boy, what I like to call a big boy tournament. And, uh, and so, so I was throwing duels with uh, Mike Philibaum and he was my duels partner in 2021. And, uh, and we had won a couple of other, you know, tournaments and regionals, uh, earlier in the year, but, um, I, I don't, I, I don't remember if Philibaum had ever won another tournament in duels, like a big tournament either. So, so we were super stoked. Um, I think we made it, uh, through the A bracket and we were like the A bracket champs of the tournament. And uh, I remember that, you know, like, you know, this was my moment, like to get this like, like big major tournament off my back. And, uh, and since we were the A bracket champs and I was just like trying my hardest not to be nervous, but because I had never, I had never, he, he had, you know, he won everything in 2021, but uh, I had never been in that scenario where I'm in the finals and this is for the, for all the marbles kind of a tournament or moment, sorry. And, uh, and I feel like I did almost everything I could have to screw it up because we, because we were the A bracket champs. I think we just lost the first two, like immediately. Uh, I think I had drops. I was throwing fours. I was literally just, you know, crap in the bed uh, in the, uh, in the tournaments. But, you know, I felt like I got to a point where like, I was like, I can't throw any worse. And we just got like, like we just got spanked in two straight games. Uh, we were actually playing uh, George Sanchez and uh, oh God, I can't, I can't remember the other guy's name, Michael but George Martin? was, or... no, it wasn't Michael Borden. No, okay. it wasn't Michael Borden. Uh, and so, um, but George was in the finals against us. And, um, 
so literally, you know, I felt like I did almost everything we did, we could, I could do to lose, lose the match. So, but we turned it around. Uh, we, 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 we literally lost the first two. Then we lost the first one in the next set. And so we're down to our last life, our cat life. Like we're down to our last one. And then we finally got our stuff together in the third, uh, uh, in the third game. And then we went to the final, final game, uh, you know, uh, for, oh, I think they won one. And then we won, and then we won, and then we went to the, basically the third game of the second set. Okay, gotcha. So and is it right? Because so, it's two out of three, two yeah. times. Correct, correct. And then, um, so then we get to the last uh, throw, and uh, it's 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 throw five. I think I think we were doing five throw, throws at that time. I think I believe so. Uh, it was throw five. We're down by one, and uh, and then uh, we're getting ready to throw, and then they threw first, and I heard one of the axes drop. I don't, I don't remember who dropped, but I heard one of them drop. So I knew that they missed at least one. So if we double hit, we win. And, and again, here's the cool moment where, like, I feel like this whole time I had been, like, you know, the, the guy that was about to lose the tournament right. to, to double hit. We double hit. We won. And it was like, like, like this relief, like this gigantic gorilla just came off my back because I finally did the thing that I'd been wanting to do for, at that time, I think I'd been throwing for two years. Uh, that I had been wanting to do was to win a big boy major tournament uh, in duels, and so so it was a really incredible moment I got to share with Mike, and uh, and and you know that you know that's you know you know you have certain trophies that you carry with you all the time, and you like this is a very special trophy, and and I have it. It almost looks like a like a hatch like um choppers like one of those chopper trophies that it's like it's almost like a it looks like a little double bit. Okay. Uh, yeah, and so, uh, and it's like, you know, duels champion, you know, and, and then show me state 2021. And, uh, so that was, you know, that was my very proud, super cool moment of 2021. That's uh, accomplishment. Did, did, uh, did Philabomb give you any, like, like, like kind of give you any like advice, you know, like once, cause like, cause I mean, to have like drops, yeah. like I, I know for me, like, like I'm, I'm in my head. Like as soon yeah. as I, like, as soon as I have one drop, I'm like, well, uh, and, and like for the most part, I have trouble getting out of my head. Yeah. Now. Uh, so like, did he, did he have like have any like words of wisdom in that moment or anything yeah, like well, that? He was, like he was really, come on, buddy, come on, come on, man. You can do it. You can do it. You got this buddy. Like he was, he was always, um, you know, he's like one of the most hyper-focused people I've ever met. And it's, I'm, I, you know, having, you know, thrown duels with him and seen him in tournaments, like his ability to focus and rise to the occasion is, something that it's almost like unhuman in my eyes how he can do that and to really like rise to the occasion dial it in even when he doesn't it's almost like like tiger woods in golf where even when tiger didn't have his a game he would still win and i felt like mike could somehow you know beg borrow and steal whatever was doing and 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 pull out a win and he just had that ability to consistently rise to the occasion and pull it off and, um, and I don't, I, you know, it's like, like a superpower in my opinion, opinion, but I think Mike's superpower is his ability to just focus in and tunnel in. And I guess you can't see what I'm doing, but I'm making like this little circle around my face, like where, where, um, he could just kind of just hyper focus. Uh, but he was always just encouraging me to like, bring it in, baby, bring it in. We got this, bring it in. And, um, and so, um, 
it was like obviously I couldn't have done it without him. But then he'll probably say the same thing about me. Like he's like I couldn't have done it without Dan. So it was like it, it is it is when it comes to duels, you know, it is a two way street, and you know you you can't win duels by yourself. Like it, it is it is a two way street, and it's such it's such a fun discipline to throw, especially with another person. And um, I, I I love duels, you know, and I've I've been lucky enough to win. Um, I, I'm in the, I won a tournament with Lucas Johnson club for duels, uh, cause we won Titan, uh, Titan town in 2021 as a duels team. And, uh, um, uh, and so, uh, 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 shout out to Sam Smith's, uh, fan club. Cause that was our team. Shout out to Sam Smith from, uh, from, uh, from Murfreesboro. Uh, I love Sam. Nice. Uh, yeah, so uh, so I, I I'm in an elite club, right? I, I'm one of like I think six guys who have won a dual tournament, with Lucas. Uh, and so it's like it's like a it's like we should get like a patch or a pin or something for being in the the Lucas <laughs> Duels Championship Club. Wasn't that uh wasn't that one of the like April Fool's Day division names? Did, oh did yeah, you... <laughs> I did. So so in that email, so for those of you who don't know what the heck we're talking about, so uh, I'm and this is like I, I'm pretty sure. I mean, it came from the Waddle page, but I'm like one thousand percent sure that Tyler Flynn wrote this post, where <laughs> it was like it was like like these new divisions that were going to come out from Waddle. And at first, it like it seemed kind of legit. It was like you know children and like men and seniors and like I was like, oh wow, this sounds really cool. And then it started getting like super ridiculous, like, you know, you know, one handed throwers or pirates throwers or like, I mean, it just got like, and then towards the bottom, it was like, like another division was like, if you've thrown duels with Jessica Renner, <laughs> if you've thrown duels with Lucas Johnson, there was like another division. And I actually replied to that post because I was like, what if you've thrown duels with both Jessica Renner and with Lucas Johnson? Oh yeah, that's a, uh, that's a conundrum. <laughs> I, I'm in I'm in like the super duper duper special secret club <laughs> division in that, and uh, because uh, Jess was my my very first duels partner uh, when we were throwing in Columbus uh, uh, at Dueling Axis, and uh, we got to go she got to go to 2020 Worlds, and we came we threw in duels together at 2020 Worlds, which was also a super cool moment uh, for her for both of us, and uh, and so. Um, but uh, but yeah yeah I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking about that when I was telling that story. Yeah, I, uh, I'm like, I, I can be super gullible and I was like, what is this? And it, it took me like probably a minute, like halfway through the list. We're like, Oh wait, Oh, this can't be real. Yeah, and it was Oh, April. it's, and it's day. April fool's day. Yeah. Like, I almost just want to like turn off my phone on April 1st. Cause I'm like, like <laughs> what? This for Oh no, I'm an idiot. Um, Oh yeah. Like when Mark Marisol, uh, said he was going to quit axe throwing, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, big axe world champion. You're gonna quit axe throwing. Yeah. Um also uh that must have felt amazing to like get that. I mean like that like you're talking about like having the monkey on your back. Mm -hmm. Like that's I feel like to you know to to get it off your back with like a duels double kill. That yeah. that's gotta like launch that monkey into space. Oh yeah. Yeah, and, and it was funny because obviously you can't double hit kill uh to win a tournament without another person. Nope. Uh, I'm sure you know some of those trick shot guys can probably figure it out, but uh, I'm I'm not a trick shot guy, and uh, so that was that was my super cool moment from 2021, and then, and obviously I knew this question was coming because I had my super cool moment from 2022. That's it. All right, awesome. All right, so it's the summer of 2022. Uh, I'm down in Murfreesboro uh, at Lucas's Lucas Johnson's tournament. Uh, it was a women's tournament. 
and uh, it was a women's tournament and uh, i believe it was uh, also a hatchet tournament as well like a tier five or like the whatever the lowest tier was but in between the women's tournament and the hatchet tournament they did this charity duels tournament so it was a charity duels tournament where like people were bidding for partners and so so a lot of the guys like like lucas and zach and josh and Il in malpass uh, John Depke, like they were going up there and they were kind of like literally dancing on Lucas's bar at Murfreesboro. Have you been there yet? No, I haven't. I haven't been to. I actually haven't been anywhere in, to throw in Tennessee. Yeah, uh, I've driven through Tennessee, but yeah. I haven't actually got to throw any axes. So Lucas yet. has a super cool bar. Hopefully, it's prepared now since that car oh. like like drove into his venue. That's uh, a nightmare. Isn't that crazy? That was like nuts when I saw that picture. Uh, so he had this super cool bar. And so here all, up comes like, you know, uh, Zach Crawford strutting the stuff. And, and then and then uh, it, it was a co-ed tournament. It was a co-ed charity duels tournament. So it was men and women. And, you know, uh, women are, are, are bidding on Zach and women are bidding on Lucas and Luke, women are bidding on Ian and, and Josh and John Depke and all these like super spectacular throwers. But... Uh, so then they didn't have any, they didn't really have any women go up and throw except for the uh, Brian Nielsen uh, uh, kids, uh, uh, Dan and Erica's uh, uh, little girls. So uh, little Emma goes up first and, uh, and like, like, I mean, no one, you know, could bid fast enough. Like, like Emma was like, you know, she was just, you know, still in the show. And then, uh, and then uh, Anna, her, her older sister went up there too. And then I didn't even get a chance to bid on Emma. Like it was like boom, 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 boom. And it was like, I think Kyle Rickenball, I believe is the one who, who won that bid. And I was like, I jumped in like right away. Like they were like, we're going to start the bid at like $50 or whatever. And I just like said 120. And I just like, and they're like, dude, nobody's even bid it yet. <laughs> like you're like, like, like I was like, I was determined to, to be one of the ones that win. And they're like, no one, like after I said, I just yelled at 120. I don't know why I did. I just did it. Or it might have been 110. I don't remember what number I yelled out, but I yelled out some astronomically sure. much higher like just number. Just skip the bidding. Just dips. Yeah, 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 exactly. I think that's what ended up happening because, like, I yelled out such a high number uh, that no one wanted to even – and I guess maybe it was because it was me. Like, no one wanted to outbid me or something. Uh, so, it like, they were like, okay, done. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so me and, and little Anna, and she, uh, she just turned 12 over the weekend uh, at Spring Fling. In fact – uh, everybody at Spring Fling sung her happy birthday on, on I think it was That's Thursday a, or Friday. The, I love the tournament happy birthdays. Uh, yeah. Uh, I especially liked when everybody, was it Vin at Worlds? Because uh, I, I don't think he liked having people sing happy birthday for him. And I think that made people want to do it more. So that's awesome. Oh, of course, of course, of course. So, uh, so, so she just turned twelve over the weekend uh, at in at Squint Flying Squirrel, uh, but but at the time she was eleven, uh, and uh, so we start you know we start throwing together, and uh, and and then so we you know uh, so we're trying to figure out our timing and, and we figure it out and then uh, we won our first match and it was like oh that's cute. Our second match is Lucas Johnson and Casey Jennings is our second match. And we're like, oh, okay, well, this is, and I, I believe it was single elimination too, because I don't think they wanted to be there for, so I believe it was, I don't remember exactly, but I believe it was single, single elimination. And then I'm like, all right, well, Lucas and Casey, like, you know, Lucas, you know, world champion duels, every, he's won a duels championship with everybody. <laughs> this is probably not going to be any different. Uh, but I was like, Anna, let's have fun. We're going to do this. We're going to win. And she's like, yeah. And so she was like, she was all into it too. Uh, 
uh, and she's actually super competitive. So, which was really nice. Cause like, you know, so she, she wasn't like, like, like intimidated by the moment. She was totally into it. She was like, yeah, we're going to win. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to win. That's and, awesome. Yeah. She was so fired up about it. And it was so cool that she was fired up. That made me more fired up. And then, uh, and then literally first throw from Lucas and Casey dropped. It's like, Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> we might have a shot. <laughs> and then like, uh, and then, uh, and I think like, I think I had a, like, we were up on the final throw and I hit the kill shot. Uh, and they're like, and we won the first game. I was like, oh, all right, we'll go. Cool. And then, uh, and I think they won the second game. And then we went to a third game. And then first throw dropped. And then we're like, oh, we have the lead again. And then I think they had another drop. And then we like, like, we cruised. We just stayed down and just won that game. And I was like, oh, cool. And then we went to a next game and then we won. And then we went to a next game and then we won. And we went to a next game and then we won. And then, and like we're we're literally in the finals of this tournament, and 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 now there's there's like it, there's just one other team, and it was Dustin Knight and Leslie Wellman, and so, <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, Leslie Wellman is in my opinion one of the top women throwers in axe throwing. She is a beast. Well, she just and, uh, she just crushed the Springfield yeah. tournament, right? She like yeah took first... yeah, the, the, yeah at, um, at Tommy Hawks. Actually, now that I think about it, it was at Tommy Hawks in Springfield. She swept. I don't think any woman has ever swept a woman's tournament. I think she won hatchet, uh, big axe, and I, I forgot what else they had there. I don't know. I think, if they, they, had, had, I think they had everything because uh, Rachel House out of Twisted Axes, I think podiumed and yeah, in everything like and in, including knives. So I think yeah. I think there was four disciplines. Yeah. So I think they did all four. I, I I could my wife. I should know. My wife went to that tournament, and I stayed <laughs> home and watched the dogs. I wanted to be there, but I was yeah. on dog duty. Nice, nice, awesome. As you should, as a good husband should. Uh, so, so it, so it's me and little Anna uh, against Leslie Wellman, arguably the best woman thrower in axe throwing, and then Dustin Knight, who, oh by the way, was just on ESPN. Or wait, actually, no, he hadn't been on ESPN quite yet, but, uh, but who, you know, went to ESPN for knives and is a hell of a thrower himself. So I'm like, okay, like this is like they're legit, and um, and so. And so now everybody's watching the finals and it's me and little Anna against those two monsters of axe throwing. Uh, and like, and of course, like since Anna's my partner, like guess who they're cheering for? Like the whole, <laughs> everybody there was cheering for us. I felt so bad for Dustin and Leslie uh, because literally anytime Anna and I were throwing, we throw like a good score and just like everybody just erupted. And, and it was just like, I, I I honestly felt a little bad because nobody was cheering for them. <laughs> like, good job, like, but yeah, we we're but, like, we, yeah, you're always this, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, so then now I have this eleven year old little girl throwing duels with like adults <laughs> in the finals of this tournament, and and so and we were just you know we had been rocking it the whole time. And then, like, uh, you know, so we took the first game. And I was like, cool. All right. All right. One more to go. <laughs> and then, like, and I'm like, is this actually going to happen? Uh, you know, to win a duels tournament, like, with adults, with, a, with an 11-year-old. And so, so we throw the second game. And it's just, like, super close. And we get to the throw five. And we're up one. And so, uh, so then I think, uh, basically, we agreed that uh, Anna and Lester are going to stay down, I think. They might have double. I think that maybe they might have gone for double kills. I don't remember, um, but uh, um, uh, and but I know me and Dustin both went up, and so uh, and I think they 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 threw first, 
and I normally don't I, I normally don't look at the other person when they throw. Like I don't look at the axe, but that particular time I did. And so and I think I think Leslie might have missed her kill shot, but Dustin hit his. So I uh no matter what Anna threw, I had to hit mine because she was only throwing out of six. And that's that wasn't gonna cover the spread because they're now they're up by seven. Mm-hmm. So I had to hit my kill shot. So and I remember sitting there thinking like, okay, if I miss this kill shot, <laughs> the amount of booze that I'm about to receive, <laughs> if I miss this kill shot, is you're the guy who broke the 11 year old girl's heart, <laughs> you monster. Yeah. How could you do this? Yeah, you're like, not you're yeah. you're not Mike Kump. That's <laughs> Kump's the villain. You don't want to step on Kump's toes. How could you do this to this little girl? <laughs> I had never wanted to hit a kill shot more badly in my life than this at this moment in time. And I'm staring this thing down. I'm staring it down, staring it down, staring it down. I do the count and then I just smoked it. And so I smoked the kill shot. The place goes berserk. And we look at each other. Uh, I mean, I didn't know even how to react. I couldn't believe this has just happened that, uh, that an 11 year old girl has just won a you know a, a duels title at a fairly legit. I mean, I mean I don't know how serious people were taking the tournament, but you know obviously people were trying. Like I don't think they just like gave it to us. Like I didn't feel like Leslie and Dustin were throwing any worse than they would have had they been throwing against anybody else. And uh, and so the fact that we pulled that off, I think that might have been my only victory in in 2022 in anything was that duels tournament. And uh, and to do it with with little Anna Bernielson and um, it was like I I honestly feel like it was almost as like up there with winning it with Mike like that one those two those those two trophies are the ones that sit at my night at my nightstand I see those trophies every single night before I go to bed uh, those are the two that mean the most to me and uh, and that was like my super cool moment for 2022 uh, to win that duels, you know, charity tournament. And then I think the tournament actually raised like three grand or I don't know. I'm sure Lucas probably has the numbers. Uh, like they actually raised a significant amount of money for the charity. And I think it was for, I don't know if it was for like a women's shelter or maybe it might've been for like uh, people in Axtorian who are in need. I, I don't remember the exact, like the, the, like which charity it went to. I'm really bad about it. I should have probably should have written it down before I told the story. <laughs> Uh, but but it went to a good cause that's all that really matters it went to a good cause and it was like thousands of dollars that went to this cause that's amazing uh, yeah so um so that was my highlight super cool moment of 2022 and uh and it was just like you know even uh uh even when even when I uh, like now, like me and little Anna, we have that little bond that anytime we see each other, we give each other big hugs. And uh, like, you know, we're uh, she was like at, at that dinner at night. It was so funny because she was just like telling her parents, like, you know, I'm the first person in the family to win a tro- major trophy. I'm the first by Nielsen to bring a trophy <laughs> home to the house. And she's, like she's talking you know, smack, Anna, yeah, she's stacking. That's the way Anna is. She's like, she's like, she's she's like, she's a killer. When she goes, when she gets a little older, like, look out, world, she's gonna just take every everybody's title. She's a killer. And uh, and the really cool part was like, literally, like, like a month later at uh, at a tournament, Dan won a tournament or won a tournament. Uh, like like a month later, like he won a tournament. So now you know now they're one and one or whatever the count is. Uh, so uh, so yeah, that was just like. That was like I, I love. That was my 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 twenty two shining moment uh, uh, story. 
That's awesome. I, uh, I got to watch a little bit of the spring fling, uh, streams. It was, uh, yeah. it was Emma commentary. I, I, I think, I think Emma was commentating for a little bit. Was she? Okay. All right. I, I didn't I, go back in the booth too much. Oh yeah. I guess if you were there, then you wouldn't know what was going on in the stream. Cause you were yeah. watching it with your eyeballs <laughs> in real life, not on the internet from your couch. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, but no, the, the like stream was awesome. Like I, 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 well, I, I don't, I think Hayden and Kyle are the ones who run that, and Lucas as well. I think he does. They they do a phenomenal job with the stream, especially uh, uh, especially when like I I I appreciate it. I appreciate any stream. I don't even know. I don't always get to watch all of them. Uh, I try and at least watch a little bit or check in or just. You know, uh, but I especially appreciate it when they make it to YouTube because I can mm-hmm. watch oh, yeah. YouTube on my TV. Yeah, and, and then I don't have to hold my phone because I am very yeah. lazy. Uh, also, uh, I think. Kyle Durant had shared something of uh, Emma throwing single spin from 15 like a boss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a boss. Both of them, both of them you know, because uh, I was able to participate in the um, 2024 kind of like preliminary uh, like tournament that they had with the new rule set. And uh, that was a super cool experience, too. I mean, probably one of the coolest experiences so far this year for me. Uh, and uh, but before, while we were kind of like warming up and trying to like figure out what the heck we're going to do, uh, uh, little Emma uh, grabbed somebody's axe um, and, and she just two handed it like straight bullseye from the 15. And everybody was there. Everybody cheered. It was it was it was it was a really cool moment at, when they did that. That's awesome. So uh, it's cool I, I maybe did uh again maybe it's because like i didn't qualify for pro league that's actually like one of my goals i think for this season is i've never qualified mm-hmm. for pro league before and it's like oh, i'd be it'd be cool to like you know it's like it, a lot of times like uh i also realized like for a long time or for a long time i wouldn't like pay too much attention to like you know i'd have my averages but i didn't really care it's like okay like i'll mm-hmm. just go I'll go 100 kills why not okay like uh and it's like oh i'm oh this league's actually going kind of well i probably probably shouldn't goof off as much yeah on my on my thursday league because this one seems like it's going to be my qualifier league it's it's tough like i've been i'm pretty fortunate that i've been able to qualify every single pro league since its inception which i think i believe was right after 2020 worlds i think that was the, the the initial class of pro league was right after 2020 worlds and uh, and and every every season to qualify, it gets tougher and tougher. Everyone gets better and better. And I just feel like I need to keep up in my game so I can, you know, maintain that streak, you know, because I'm pretty proud of that, that I've been in every single class of pro league. It's uh, yeah, like look at the leaderboard. I'm like, all right, this this season, my goal is to get 75 percent on my kill shots. Uh, I'm not there Great. yet. Uh, but then it's like you look at the leaderboard, you're like, oh, uh, they're at 11 out of 12. <laughs> damn it <laughs> um but so i, I guess had, had you been practicing on the 2024 rules or I, just like- I mean i probably um i knew that they were going to do that tournament uh, uh at spring fling uh pls uh so i knew and i knew i wanted to try it so um i i was trying to see so i actually bought um an axe gang from amazon and it comes in at 20 or 21 inches or whatever it is i, and I had one on a shelf that i dug out and cut to 19 <laughs> i did the same thing and so I cut it to 19. I tried it from 15. Couldn't make it work. It was just spinning too quickly. I don't know. I think it's just, I think the head weight is just too light to get it to, to really spin it enough to get it to stick. Um, I just couldn't get it to stick consistently other than like barely, like almost like a horizontal stick. Like Got that it. was about the closest that I could do. All toe. 
Yeah, Alto. Yeah, exactly. So then what I did was uh, my ITF uh, axe is, oh, I didn't even mention that, my ITF axe. My hatchet is a 14-inch uh, uh, axe gang. Okay. And, uh, and so, so I had that. Um, so then I just spun it around for one and a half. And, um, and then I, I could stick it from like 16 pretty easily, uh, not too accurately, but, but easily I could, I could stick it and I'm sure with more practice, I can get better at it. But, uh, but, you know, uh, you know, spoiler alert from, from people who played the tournament, uh, the ones that were going further in the tournament were the ones that were one spinning it from, uh, from, uh, uh, from 15. Uh, so I don't know if that's where the future is going to be for the new rule set. Um, I saw a lot of people just throwing one axe from the same spot for both both times, you know, pretty much, you know, throwing it like from the 14 and a half or maybe 14 and then just stepping back just a little bit and throwing it from the 15 with the huh. same axe. Uh, so I saw a lot of that. Uh, I saw, um, you know, what I did was, you know, I had two axes, you know, one, you know, for 12, one from 15. Uh, and, uh, but it seemed the, the, the ones that were doing the best were the ones that were throwing it, throwing a 19 inch recurve axe, you know, from the 15 fairly accurately. And it was, it was scary how good people were already at, you know, and the rules are not even in, in place yet. And people were throwing high numbers, hitting all the red dots and, you know, hitting low kill shots and things like that. So it's, it's going to be, it's, 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 it's a, and to me, it's a great time to be an ax throwing because everyone's going to go back to square one. Everyone's going back to zero when the new rules set come up because everyone's starting at the same place and there's not a better time to be an ax throwing than, than 2024 when the rules, the new rules come out. In my opinion, in my opinion. How, how was the, um, how, how did you like the, uh, like the center for eight and the ring for six on the kills? Oh yeah, and that was that was another thing too. Like like that, you know, certain matches were decided because of the the little dot inside the kill shot. You know, six versus eight. You know, and matches swung, you know, very wildly in different directions because of that. And so that just added another little wrinkle to the skills. You know, to the to the dynamic of of uh, of the uh, of the new board. Did you um, did you see a lot of people going up in the first five from twelve when they were down? I, that's what I saw a lot of when they were down and we were doing tournament rules versus, and, and, and I think they're still in development, but tournament rules were basically, if you hit a red dot, if you hit it again, it's a zero. I think in standard play, I guess, I don't know what they're going to call it, but if you hit the red dot and you hit it again, it's only going to be whatever ring you're in. So if you, if you hit the red dot again in the center board, then it's going to be a five, not a six. Oh, okay. So, so for the tournament for, for pro league series for spring fling, you couldn't just throw at the center for six and then a bunch of fives. Correct, correct. correct. So if you okay. threw at the center and you had already hit the red dot and you hit it again, then it was a zero. Uh, so it forced you to go outside of the center red dot and hit the other ones too. And so, so what I saw were uh, a lot of people going for kill shots on throw five because they were down. And then obviously kill shots on nine or 10 or whatever they had left in the, in the, in the chamber uh, for the second one. And so, and I did see a lot of people from 15 going for the low kill shot. That seemed to be the, the kill shot of choice from 15. And then the upper one was uh, the kill shot of choice from 12. And, uh, and I believe in the real set, you had to like switch. So if you hit high, then you had to go low. Mm -hmm. Or if you hit, you had to go high on the next one. Okay. Did a, uh... Were there any spicy dice in the the twenty twenty four tournament? Because spicy I, dice get extra spicy oh my from God. fifteen. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. Uh, I I didn't see any dice rolled out there, uh, but it doesn't mean it didn't happen. <laughs> uh, but I I just um, it was it was so fun to see everyone kind of like 
like sharing ideas. Like I feel like half the time people were just talking about what they were doing. Like, what was your strategy? What's your strategy? What's your strategy? What are you gonna try to do? Oh, what are you doing? Um, obviously there's a few kinks to work out. You know, uh, I think they're gonna be working some out. One that I noticed was uh, like whoever threw through first, I felt had an advantage because if you see somebody throw it a six and they miss it, then you can just throw it a four. And if they miss it, they get a three and you throw a four, like you could take a point or two, you know, depending on where you're on the match. So I did see quite a bit of that for the person who threw second. They had a little bit of an advantage uh, in their matches is one thing that I noticed. Oh, uh, yeah. That's an ITF thing. Like, is like, you know, all right, going in and throw five, you're up two. Yeah. Do you go for, you know, do you go for the bull and right. leave the door right. open? Do you go for what Fancy right. calls you, the hero clutch and just take yeah. it? Right, right, right. It, it, it adds like another wrinkle to the, to the, to the strategy of the, of the game. So, so that was just sort of my initial impressions, but, but, but it was super positive. Like I, I, I think that once people try it, they're going to really fall in love with the new boards. Uh, I think it's going to be a hell of a lot more fun to watch from the casual observer, you know, think, you know, looking back at what, you know, Melee's doing uh, with their, with their dots and, and what, what uh, WKTL is doing with the, 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 the 10 and the 15 and, and going forward and going backwards and how WKTL matches are so exciting because at any moment a knife could drop and it, like who knows what's going to happen. And so, uh, so I, I, I love the direction that they're going in terms of making it exciting and also challenging at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh... Yeah, I haven't got a chance to like throw on one of the new targets yet. I've thrown on, you know, like the, I've drawn some like you know three quarter inch dots and thrown at those, or mm-hmm. uh, or you know drawn a three quarter inch dot inside my normal kill shot. Uh, but I haven't actually had like had a twenty twenty four target in front of me and thrown at it yet. But yeah, I, like I, it's obviously it's change, and a lot of times people don't like change. Uh, yeah. and, and and like all the all like you know the concerns about like you know this venue wasn't built with you know you know with like, with with, with the space or in mind yeah or you know you know the extra distance you know might you know add extra strain for a lot of people and like that like that's actually maybe uh, as a chiropractor you're probably one of the people most qualified uh-huh. to talk about uh, the body mechanics and strain and that kind of stuff <laughs> that is true that is true i mean i'm pretty I'm pretty religious when it comes to my stretching routine before I, I throw a match uh, because I don't think I ever see anybody stretch before a match. I don't. I I don't see nobody stretching, and for me, it's 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 super important. I mean, it's it's a way to avoid injury. It doesn't take that long. I mean, maybe two to five minutes tops uh, before you throw, and just being more aware and hyper aware of of the different body parts to stretch. You know, especially the low back, especially the calves especially the hip flexors and shoulders uh i would be like you know those are the things that i stretch uh when i before i go into a match and and like i said it only takes two to five minutes Uh, i do it even before league you know whether it's a tournament league i do the same stretching routine that i do every single time and uh, i've been fortunate enough to not really have any major axe throwing injuries um gosh i can't even think of anything that i've ever encountered when it came to injuries when it came to axe throwing what is your stretching routine? If it's like sure. you said, two yeah. to five minutes. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so the first thing that I do is, uh, and I, it really, I wish I could just demonstrate so people could see what I'm doing. Uh, but essentially, uh, you know, separating my legs probably a little bit wider than shoulder width, uh, shoulder width apart, and then reaching down and see if I can if I can touch the floor or just just elongating the low back, and then doing it in sort of like um, what I like to call 
uh, units of 10, where basically you take a big breath in, and then as you release or breathe out, you're going to touch down to as whatever's comfortable, like don't overdo it. And then you hold uh, for a moment or two. So it's like breathe in, hold, stretch. And then once you're stretched, breathe out for a moment and then and then do it again. The breathing in and out is really important because you're kind of activating some of the parasympathetic symptoms of your body, which for those who don't know, parasympathetic is like your rest and digest systems. That's more about relaxation. It's about calming things down where your fight or flight, which is the other system of your nervous system, which is the, I'm being chased by a tiger and it's, I'm going to get that adrenaline rush. Um, mostly when it comes to ax throwing is like when people feel like, like I get in the zone and I'm like, you know, I'm kind of stressed out a little bit, but I throw better when I'm stressed. Like some people say like, I throw better in tournaments because of, you know, because of the pressure. And that comes to do from their sympathetic nervous system. Uh, basically, the body's in hyper awareness. The, the the blood vessels are constricted. Uh, the body's getting more blood pumped all over the place, and you're able to kind of like focus more because your adrenaline is firing up, and you can you can perform, but it doesn't last forever. And that's why people like sometimes they're like, oh, I just like threw a 64, and then now I just threw a 46. Um, yeah, and I, so. I threw my first throw after my 64 was a four <laughs> as always as everybody else's. And so, uh, so that's one stretch that I do, which, which is the low back. Uh, the next one I do is the calves. Uh, so basically, you know, uh, this one's probably anyone did like in, you know, junior high or high school, you know, PE class where you basically just stick one leg back, one leg forward, you know, lean lunge forward and stretch that calf, stretch both of them uh, regularly. You can do the breathe in and breathe out that you can literally do that with any one of the stretches. Um, and so that's an, that's an important one. Uh, the hip flexors, uh, basically uh, hip flexor stretch is usually the one where your hip flexors is basically is the, what brings your knee to, to your chest. So bringing your knee to your chest will make your hip flexors contract or shorten. So you want to go in the opposite direction. So you don't want to bring your knees to your chest. You want to do almost like where you lift your leg off and then kind of bring your knee backwards. So you're almost stretching away. Uh, and those are your hip flexors. And again, I would do 10 uh, doing the, with the breaths. Uh, and do my hip flexors. Uh, then I do uh, my shoulders. Uh, basically, I do uh, shoulder rotations where I have my arms out like a T. And then I rotate uh, clockwise, probably for about 15 to 30 seconds. Arm circles? Arm circles, yep. And then I do it. Uh, and basically, you do it thumbs forward, uh, counterclockwise, or clockwise for 15 to 20 seconds. And then uh, um, and then counterclockwise for 15 to 20 seconds and then thumbs backwards. Cause you're, you're, you're actually stretching different muscles. Oh, so, like, so like palms facing the, the ceiling, palms yeah, facing yeah. the floor. Correct. Correct. You, yeah. Thumbs or palms, however you want to look at it. As long as they, as long as you flip them, uh, and then, and do both rotations at 15 to 30 seconds uh, of rotations. I do sh shoulder shrugs up and over for the same amount of time clockwise counterclockwise both shoulders uh and then the last thing that i do is basically neck bends where i basically take uh, one hand put it on my ear uh, over my head and then bend to one side this is the one that i usually work the breathing the most where i basically take a breath in and then as i breathe out i slowly spring my whichever the ear is not touched by my hand towards my shoulder and stretch i'm basically stretching uh the side which i'm stretching the side of my neck where i'm where my ear is and then uh, do that uh, 10 times, just like the other 10 time stretches. And then take my other hand, put it on the opposite ear that I didn't stretch 
and then bend uh, uh, bend my head towards my shoulder that's over my head and stretch in the other side. Uh, and so that, and that's pretty much my stretch routine. Okay. But yeah, I, uh, I remember Rander when I interviewed oh, oh, him. Oh, wrist, oh, wrist rolls too. Oops, sorry. I, forgot, oh, oh. I didn't mean to cut you off. But no, no, you're wrist good. Rolls. Wrist rolls is the other one too. Wrist rolls, just like the shoulder rolls, clockwise, counterclockwise uh, for 10 to 15 seconds. Okay. Or, or, or 15 to 30 seconds, my bad. Maybe, uh, I, I, like, as soon as you're like, yeah, stretching, I'm like, oh, yeah, I never do that. I should probably do that. Uh, I remember forgetting another one, wrist rolls and then forearm extensions. So basically where I take uh, my hand and then bring uh, my hand backwards. So where you feel the stretch, like almost on your palm side of your forearms and then stretch it in the other direction where you bring your, uh, your wrist uh, uh, away from you where you're stretching more the back of uh, the back of your forearm. So, uh, so are you going to conduct, <laughs> are you going to conduct a little group stretch at Riverbend? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Stretching with Dr. Dan. <laughs> uh, and all right, we're doing a little vinyasa real quick. Um, uh, yeah, I remember when, if I recall correctly, when I interviewed Rander, he said he'll like stretch just walking from the lane, like back from the target. Oh, like, really? uh, yeah, it, I, again, I'm going off of like a year ago memory, which is mm-hmm. uh, uh, tepid at best. I don't even know if I use this the right word. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, now, now I got to start experiment with stretching. I'd be like, I'm going to stretch. And I'm going to throw a four. Like it didn't work. Dr. Dan, what else you got? <laughs> uh, no, that's all. I, I like, I feel like, you know, you know, you, like if you start to plateau or you feel like you're plateauing or that kind of stuff. And you're like, you're like, well, I'll just keep doing all the stuff I've been trying. You're like, you probably got to try different stuff. And so like, Oh, maybe I need to try stretching. Yeah. Um, yeah. um, one of the things, um, that I haven't like it haven't asked like or it's a thing I've, I've wanted to start maybe asking about or it's something I haven't asked about in the past is like what do you like what do you focus on like 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 what do you are you looking or like, like you know your like your reference points during your throw mm-hmm. right people talk about like the mechanics of it but yeah. I haven't uh I was talking to my duels partner about it and it's like oh like what what do you like where 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 are your eyes or like what are you like referencing when you line up and I'm like, I'm doing this. He's like, Oh, I do this. Like, Oh, I guess I've never asked anybody this question. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so for me, uh, so before I answer this question about the focusing, I just got a little flash that I got 10% left on my battery phone. Uh, so would it be better for me to go get my charger and, and plug it in? Or would it be better that if it dies, then, then plug it in and then you call me back and then we can keep talking. Uh-huh. Uh, we, we can pause. You can go get the charger. I'll go use the bathroom so we can okay, take a, a quick break. All right. I'm going to yeah, stop this recording and then, uh, and then I'll just resume it when, uh, once you're back. Okay. Um, so I think, right. Like I've, I've talked to a lot of people about like, you know, like the mechanics of their throw, but I actually haven't really asked anybody. And I was talking to my duels partner about this, but, have, um, like, like essentially like what people's eyes are doing on their throw, like where, like where they're focusing mm-hmm. or what, like what their reference points are sure. in their throw. Uh, so oh, I guess almost more of like the, like the perception aspects to the throw, less the mechanical parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, for me, uh, I like to, you know, the, what is the old saying is like, you know, aim small, miss small is like what, you know, what you say. And so when I'm staring down, uh, a target, I like to find little specks or imperfections like in the grain or something like incredibly tiny. Uh, and usually when I'm throwing for bullseyes, uh, usually somewhere in the upper half of the bullseye. So my, my, you know, for me, a, a perfect bullseye throw is if I can hit 
uh, the middle of my axe on the upper end of the of, of the bullseye. So if I do uh, over rotate or if I do drop down, uh, you know, I still have you know I have more I have more leeway if I go high because you know most axes have their beards and you know it's you have more room for error below the axe than above the axe, and so mm-hmm. I'd rather aim a little higher and uh and 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 see and take advantage of the the fact that the axe has more surface area below it so i will stare at a little speck or a little something on the top center of the of the bullseye for the bullseye uh on the kill shots i i stare pretty much in the center but again i try to find something like little little speck or little imperfection that i can look at and and try to hit it and throw at it because i know that what works better for me is that if I can just stare down something and not think about my throw, like, like my arm or what I should be doing, but just again, trusting my throw and then just keep staring at that one little speck, uh, that has worked, has worked better for me. Okay. Now, is that something you kind of like, uh, you know, like somebody like taught you to do, or is that something you just kind of like experimented with and figured out on your no, own? No, that's something I definitely experimented. Uh, cause I think people have also talked about breathing and like breathing in or breathing out or what they do. And I am definitely in the, I like to breathe out camp <laughs> when I throw. Um, I know you mentioned jujitsu, uh, and, and, you know, you have a background in jujitsu and uh, I actually have a background in, in Muay Thai kickboxing. I don't think I mentioned it earlier. And so I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. So I earned my black slash in Muay Thai kickboxing in, in 2011. And, uh, and so, so, you know, when you were, uh, taught to, you know, kick or punch, you know, you're always taught to keep your abs and your abdomen tight breathing out like, <sighs> breathe mm-hmm. out and so so again i took that same you know idea is like you know when i throw you know i tend to breathe out keep everything nice and tight and that just worked for me so the staring at the spec somewhere on you know where i want to hit and the breathing out has helped me not think on a, about a, a lot of other things um and um and, and then uh, counting as well has also helped because you know sometimes i'll just count in my head and i'm not thinking about anything else but one two three and and go mm-hmm. okay uh, now my brain's like, oh, Muay Thai. I got, I got some Muay. I never actually got any like sashes, but I used to cross train Muay Thai for my MMA fights. Nice. Uh, uh, and Ang Bak was an amazing movie. <laughs> it was. Um, uh, yeah. I guess uh, thinking about like through the lens of like a you know like a striking stance, right? Because you know in, in Muay Thai you got your left foot. Well, if you're if you're traditional, mm-hmm. not southpaw, you got your left foot at twelve o'clock, and then your right foot's back mm-hmm. at um. Well, I guess it's like like a two o'clock. Uh, That's more like a six o'clock. So it's almost like ten. I mean, what I did was always like ten and like maybe five. I guess oh, maybe your toe. Okay, yeah, your like foot's at five, but your toe's kind of correct, pointing, like, correct. Uh, pointing, pointing out. Um, I guess as far as like your specific throw, are you? I assume you're, are, are you right-handed? I am right-handed. Uh, do you line up uh, like left foot forward, right foot forward? I am. I am a left foot forward guy, and so uh, okay. so and and for me. Uh, like if, if I do miss or if I do have tendencies of where my axe is going, where I don't want it to do, usually it's because, uh, because of having that left foot forward and I, and I release the axe, I, I sometimes will tend to lean towards the front, that, that left leg. Like, I think a lot of throwers that I've talked to who are right leg forward, like tend to miss to the right for maybe the same problem. I, I, I don't know for sure, but I know for me that, um, if I'm not aware of, 
you know, keeping my weight balanced and forward and moving, you know, moving forward towards the target as opposed to side to side, I tend to drift whichever way my weight goes. So if I drift to the left, which is usually my more common tendencies because my left leg is forward, uh, I tend to miss left, which is the same reason why I like to stand on the left side of duels, because if I do miss, I usually miss to the left, which is the better side to miss than the right, uh, where my partner's axis. And, uh, and so that, you know, that is something that I, I, I try to keep an eye on with my tendencies. And uh, I think Tishko talked about it in his interview where he talked about trying to keep his arms straight to the target and not cross over your airline mm -hmm. and I, that's something that i do too like i try to make and not and we didn't talk about this it just so happened that we both like that's what i do too that you know when i release the axe i try to keep it kind of in line uh with my body without trying to cross over because i usually cross over towards my center line which is for my right-handedness is towards the left so so you know leaning left or crossing over to the left causes me to miss left and that's usually my typical tendency to miss is left okay gotcha yeah, I I appreciate it because it's like it's funny like how it's almost like on a throw. You can just kind of like zoom in on any little detail or any little variable, mm -hmm. and there's so many like you don't think about. So it's like, um, yeah. Because I I guess uh, oh I think one of the things um, I forgot to kind of ask about was uh, like leading up to you qualifying for pro league, right? Like what um uh like what was like some like your like your best seasons like uh you know like average or like kill shot percentage? yeah yeah so um so like i had mentioned earlier uh uh i I've, I've been in every single uh like iteration or rendition of pro league so that's been a, a a really cool accomplishment uh not that it's something that that i need or i've been trying for it's just been i've been fortunate enough to uh, keep throwing consistently and, and well enough to keep myself up on the leaderboard every single season. And um, when I first, when, when I think the first iteration of pro league, I think it was like the top 30 or maybe top 64, 32 from, from that 2020 worlds was like one half of it. And I think they did like qualifying throws, uh, which for those of you who don't know, qualifying throws is when we used to like videotape ourselves for like 50 throws and then you'd have to throw like uh, a kill shot on every fifth throw, and then you had to do overtime kill shots, and and it was a it was a really interesting <laughs> experience if you'd never done it before. Uh, and is to do like a practice qualifying throw around uh, to see how you do. Um, and so, uh, but I didn't. Luckily, I didn't have to because I did really good at twenty twenty worlds. And then um, after that, it seemed like every cutoff to make the pro league has gone up every single season. So my first when in like in 20, like in spring of 21, which I think was the first time that they took pro league off the leaderboard. Uh, I mean, if you were like in the low fifties, you were a pro league and like 51, 52, you qualified to be in the top, you know, 125, or maybe it might've been the top 64 at that time. I don't remember exactly if it was 64 or one or one twenty eight. it was somewhere in between. And then, and then every season progressively has gotten a little bit higher and higher. And for me, luckily, uh, you know, in 2021, I was probably averaging about a 54. And then, uh, and then probably in the middle to end of 2021, I was probably, you know, breaking 55. And then in 2022, you know, I was trying to do better than, than 55 because that was like, when it came to circuit points, 55 was like, like, like that magic number that you got like extra set of circuit points if you could break over 55. So then for a long time, I was at 55 pretty much 
almost to the end of 2021. And then I just like, was just getting like so frustrated that I could not get a break this 55 barrier. It's like every, every, every season was 55, 55, 55, which is, you know, for, you know, most throwers would be happy to have a 55 because that means they're in pro league, they're doing well, you know, maybe doing well in tournaments as well. But, you know, once I start see, seeing the leaderboard creep up, creep up where people are averaging like 60s and 58s and 59s, I was like, okay. Uh, and I, I think it was, I mean, honestly, I just felt like when I had, like I had one marathon where, you know, all the stars aligned, everything was working. And I think I ended up with like a 56 average for the very first time for me. And I think this was probably, uh, I think it was like summer or maybe fall of 22 where I was like 56 average. And then now, so now, now that's like the new benchmark, like, okay, now I got to get the 57. And so I haven't really cracked that, that one yet, uh, where I averaged 57 for a season, but I've been sort of like throughout my pro league career, somewhere between 54 and 56, uh, on the, on the leaderboard. Gotcha. And I assume that's going 100% kills? Uh, it depended. It, it usually, so so what I've been doing is a little bit of both. So um, when it comes to whether I've gotten my bid or not. And so I, I've oh. been pretty lucky that for the last two seasons, I got my world hatchet bid fairly early on in the season. I think the winter is the, the, um, the hardest one to get it because nobody has their bid. And everyone's trying to get their mm -hmm. bid in the winter. So... I literally scrap winter season. I mean, I try to be on pro league, but I don't, I don't, I don't try to make it during that time because it's just so darn difficult to make it in the winter season because every, nobody has it. So, uh, so usually spring and summer are sort of like my little uh, sweet spot to try to get my my hatchet bid through pro league is in those two seasons. And uh, in twenty uh, in twenty twenty one, I got it in the summer of twenty twenty one. I got my hatchet bid. And then in 2022, I got it in the spring a season of 2022. I got my hatchet bid. Okay. Uh, this is directly relevant for me because I got into Worlds last year on qualifiers with like a Hail Mary effort. <laughs> like I surprised myself. Uh, and I was like, like I think I, I think it actually during like qualifiers, I had thrown my first 63. And I was like, whoa. That was, uh, um, so uh, for those that don't know, and I, I don't like, I, I would, I might not even pass the test if, if somebody asked me to explain it. Uh, how does like the bid qualifying work with the seasons and sure. like, how do all those yep. puzzle yep, pieces yep. fit so, together? So there's, uh, you know, hopefully if, if Waddle continues to, to maintain the model of 256, uh, uh, 256 uh, throwers to get to worlds. So um, it's kind of broken up into, um, I believe, 90 something i think is for pro league like i think there's 90 ish uh spots for pro league and so every season um the top uh 24 from each season from pro league are the first throwers to get to get their bids uh to go to worlds uh i feel like that's one of the, the biggest advantages of being in pro league is that you get to get you get to know that you're qualified for worlds before everybody else so if you're trying to get sponsorship or make arrangements and and trying to uh, figure out how you're going to pay for worlds to know that you're already going is a huge advantage. And so I, I think for me, that's like the number one reason to be in pro league is so you can get your bid early to go to worlds. And so that, that is a, an amazing point because I didn't like, I didn't know if my qualifiers were going to be enough. And it's like, all right, I have 
three right. weeks or whatever right. to, to get, like get flights to, and and figure well, out like logistics how do i get to worlds and well and then jersey submission it's yeah. like oh i have like one week to submit sponsors i'm like i didn't yeah. know i was gonna yeah. need those so, so <laughs> that, that's a huge advantage to get those bids early on uh so i believe like the first 90 ish is basically dedicated for pro league and then i feel like there's like another 60 uh, based off circuit points where if you've already got it from Pro League, then the next top 60 based off your circuit point performance are going to go to World. So then there's a, but that doesn't happen until after the circuit points are done, which is the end of the season, which is, you know, which I think that this was the big movement to try to get Worlds in the, like the following spring after December. So people like, so people are not like you, like three weeks, you know, three week deadline to figure out everything from sponsors, flights, hotels, everything. Uh, so then all of that's been taken care of, but, but getting back to like, how do you get to worlds with circuit points? So there's like another 60 from just your placement on circuit points. And then, so now we've gone 90, we've gone 60. So now we're at 150. So the, basically the, now there's like a hundred left and I think another mm -hmm. like 50 is through regionals. So every region has a certain amount allowed circuit points for every region, whether you're in the East or the West or the South or the Midwest or Southeast, or I don't know all the divisions. Uh, I just know I'm in the Midwest. And so, uh, so then there's another like 50 or 60 allocated that way. And then the last like 50 or 60 is what you did, which is like the, the qualifiers. Uh, so then, you know, you, you videotape yourself, you do your 50 throws and then the top 50 or it might be 30 because i think they also have regional winners too i think regional winners is also in there as well so maybe it's 30 from qualifiers and then another 10 or 15 from winning a regional tournament if you're like below a certain number average that you can go to the regional tournament yeah i know those like the exact numbers are like you know like those are like kind yeah of yeah ballpark, i'm ballparking yeah, like, a little bit but you know, i um, think that kind of added to like 250 yeah, it's like yeah, just like yeah. here's the buckets. It's like, all right, there's yeah. this bucket there's from this bucket, source and there's this a circuit okay. point bucket. There's the regional bucket. There's the uh, regional bucket, and then there's the qualifier bucket. Okay, yeah, it's uh my because uh, Han, my dual partner, he's only been this. This is his second yeah. season, and he's like, I want to go to Worlds. I want to qualify for Worlds. How do I do it? I'm like, I mean, I did it through qualifiers, but I don't think right. you want to count on that one. I think you want to try and get in right, right. long and, before uh, that. I, but so, I believe the other uh, uh, disciplines, you know, big acts, knives, and duels are all based off circuit points. I think that's I think that's how you get it for the other ones, because uh, gotcha. because the the bids and the regions and and is only a hatchet thing. Uh, the other ones haven't been you know quite broken up as elaborately as hatchet has also uh they, they, those other ones don't have 256 nope, participants, all, do they? I, I think uh, it's one it would take we would need to oh, we'd need a full week of worlds for that I, i'm not i'm not gonna um, complain hang i get to hang out with yeah, my friends for another yeah, week like, yeah it's just uh be just oh, the hotel true. bill be that'd, that'd be yeah. a, that would be a rough one uh Cool. Um, I'm trying to, th I think, uh, do, do you remember your first mm -hmm. 64, first yep. 81? Like, do, do, uh, do, if, yeah, yeah. do you want to tell those stories? Uh, so Let's hear. so my first 64, uh, I mentioned earlier that I'm a product of the, the quadrille generation where we were throwing in quarantine on, on cameras and, and on three and a half inch bullseyes with uh, one and a half inch kill shots. Uh, so... Uh, I mentioned one of the uh, godfathers, Tristan Ledbury, was one of the godfathers of Quaddle. Uh, 
Uh, and I actually threw my first 64 in a quarter match versus Tristan. Uh, Tristan on Ontario, nice. Canada. And uh, love you, Tristan. Uh, he's such a good guy. If you've ever met Tristan, he's just like such a great sense of humor. He's such a cool dude um, and a, an incredible artist. So a lot of the logos, he do, Tristan does a lot of the logos for Waddle and other people. He's just an incredibly talented guy. But I threw my first 64, which I don't know if it technically counts, but it was kind of, it kind of counted because it was recorded and it was Quaddle. So it was semi, semi, uh, uh, semi legit. But, but then if you want to go like legit, you know, on the one and a half inch bullseyes, it was the, the first season after, um, after, uh, 2021 us open, uh, cause the 2021 us open is when they unveiled them. Like we, we threw one day, uh, we threw on the, wait, no, maybe it was, was it 2020 worlds? No, it was 2020 worlds. Yeah, it was 2020 I think, I think worlds. It was I was thinking it was 2021 U.S. Open, but it was around. They were both in Atlanta, so those are. That's what's really hard because to separate the 2020 Worlds and the 2021 U.S. Open, since they were both in the same venue, they kind of blur together in my head sometimes. Uh, uh -huh. And so, oh, yeah. uh, um, so like literally, it was uh, that. Um, so it must have been the spring, or sorry, the winter of 21 was when I first threw my first 64 in on the one and a half inch in in league uh somewhere in like week three or week four and uh which was super cool because i was the first one to do it in my league and then so i had my name on a board for a very long time before someone else did uh so that that was that was that was very nice my first 81 um <laughs> so i was living in columbus at the time and there's a urban access cincinnati which about a two hour mm -hmm. drive to go down to Urban X uh, to Cincy, uh, and so me and um, which I didn't know sleeves at the time, uh, Chris, um, and so I didn't know him at the time, but uh, uh, but he would drive he would he drives from Columbus down to Cincinnati as well, and uh, and and so but he he threw in Wednesday league and I threw in Sunday league because I could only go on Sunday, uh, so then uh, I drove down there. It was so funny because I showed up the first 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 week or no sorry first day first day of ITF league, and I show up and I have my little axe bag and I got my axes and like axes hanging out of it, and I oh did you I did. bring yeah, a big, I axe? big axe yeah I had my big axe with oh, me okay so cool. I knew like like I vaguely knew the rules and I knew like I had a step and I knew kind of like you know the system but I wasn't like like I hadn't thrown a league so I didn't know like all the little intricacies and things. And so, so I'm literally like, like the first day I'm like, okay, where do I stand? There's a black line, there's a red line, and there's like, there's a blue little tape line on the back. And I'm, I'm like, like, like I, the guy, he's explaining it to me and I'm literally asking him, where do I stand? And I'm like, okay, so I got to hit this like seven inch bullseye. Okay. All right. I think I can do that. And so, so he's like, yeah, you got to take a step. And, 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 and I'm, and like, everyone's looking at me cause, cause I'm driving in from Columbus and they had already started. And, and, and I didn't know there was like a rule, like you're not supposed to be practicing when you're, when everyone's already started. And so, oh, so I like showed up and I'm like, where do I go warm up? And they're like, um, they're like, oh, well, you can't warm up once we've started. And I was like, yeah, but I don't know how to throw this. And so like, can, like, can someone explain the rules to me? And so, so then, uh, so then like they explained the rules to me and then I'm like literally warming up and like, I'm getting all these dirty looks from everybody. Cause they're like, who is this guy? And, uh, why is he warming up? 
and then they're like, "Hey, this is Dr. Dan." And and so, well, I didn't I didn't say Dr. Dan. I, I said my name's Dan. And then it eventually became Dr. Dan. Uh, and so, um, and he's like, you know, he came in from Columbus. So you know, we're gonna give him a little time to warm up. And it's his first day. And then everyone's like, "Oh, okay." So then now everyone stopped giving me dirty looks. And they're like, "Oh, welcome. You know, you're gonna get this. Oh, you got this. You know, you know, you know, I, you know." you're you're you'll be fine and you know if you drop a few axes it'll be okay and then <laughs> so i was like okay all right thank you appreciate it. you guys are super nice i love you guys and then so then it's like my first match and then it's like um uh they're like all right who wants to play dr dan and then this one other guy he's like i'll play him and i'm like oh okay so i set up and then it was just like five 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 <laughs> i basically 75 this guy i <laughs> i'm like they're like the new guys just throwing, just yes. dropping a seventy-five out of nowhere. Like, you're 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 a shark. So, and, Go and, away. Then, and the guy, oh my god, the dude, he lost. He literally he kicks the board. He has like a little temper tantrum, and I'm freaking out because I'm like, what is happening here? I've never seen anybody like get violence in the lanes like ever. And so, um, and so I didn't know even know how to react. And then the guy like storms off and goes off into the corner. And I'm looking at the guy who explained the rules to me. I was like, what just happened? He's like, oh yeah, that's our defending league champion. And you just picked his butt in, the, in your very first game of IDF. <laughs> and, and so he, I guess, he, you know, his, maybe his ego was, hurt. I don't know. So, so I'm like, well, I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. And so then, um, uh, so then, uh, so they're like, you know, you might want, if you're throwing 75s, you might want to go for a clutch. And I'm like, okay, how do I do that? And so they're like, yeah, well, on the last one, you can just go up and hit the little green dot, the green dot on top. I was like, oh, okay. And so, so like, uh, so literally like, I think like a, like a match or two later, I started going for clutches. I just didn't know. So I just figured I just need to just hit bullseyes. So then, so I didn't get an 81 in, the, in my first week or my second week, but I got it in my third week of, of my first league. And, um, and it's pretty cool because I ended up winning the league too. So I have this really cool picture of me in ITF. This is my cool ITF moment. I have this where I'm, I'm holding the Urban Axis board, but it has like the golden axe in the middle. And uh, and then uh, I have this other trophy for being like the rookie of the league. So the person who's like, they're the new person in the league. So everyone voted for me. I think I might have been the only new person in the league too. So it was a it was going to be me. Uh, and so, uh, but, but yeah, so that was, uh, that was my first 81 and, you know, shout out to, uh, Ryan and Shay at, uh, Urban Access Cincy and, and, and Sleeves and Chris, uh, cause those guys are awesome down there. Uh, I love that venue and I, I didn't like making the drive, but I love throwing down there. I just wish there was like more IATF closer to where I live. Cause IATF is tons of fun. Uh, I never got a chance to do premiere, um, because I've never been around anywhere, anywhere near that had premiere. Um, I moved away from, from Columbus to, to Cleveland and then from Cleveland to Cincy is way too long. It was way too long. Of a drive. I, I, oh, yeah. I wouldn't there was no way I would be able to do that, but I think I wasn't, I, I think I was only like two hours away from Detroit. Cause I think Detroit has, 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 and then I think Pittsburgh also has a ton of IATF in Pittsburgh. So it was like, you know, do I go throw, you know, up in Detroit or go to, you know, Pittsburgh and hang out with Connexican and Tishko. And so, um, uh, and so I was just kind of caught in this like little, like, like area where I just, it just wasn't very conducive. So I did, I did three seasons of ITF and then, um, 
so yeah, that's how I got my first 81. So I've never had a chance to throw a premier 81. Yeah, I, I don't have a premier 81 either, but I also, I've only got to do, I think I've only done one marathon. I've never done yeah. a, a full premier league. I've done a marathon premier league and uh, I got to go throw at ITF regionals with Vale and Fancy and some people from Albuquerque Axe and Papa Bear. It's like, I was like, no, I'm nice. just going to go have fun at this one. Um, what, what, what were your, what were your thoughts on, cause one of my, like, mm-hmm. I love both Waddle and ITF. I just love axe throwing, right? Mm-hmm. That's like throwing sharp, sharp stuff. Um, but one of my favorite differences between them, one is that in ITF mm-hmm. playoffs matter. Like, I love the fact that playoffs they're, actually they're are grueling, worth something. Man, with right? the, the, the best out of three, best out of five, best out of seven. Oof. Yeah. Uh, and then, well, and then there's, it's not who sucks less. It's hit. no, you yeah. get, somebody has to yeah. throw, somebody has to hit. Uh, and so like, I've had, I've probably had like a, a yeah. ITF playoff finals that lasted as long as like a, <laughs> a small week of waddle you know where it's like it just it just yeah 14 rounds that first league that i took won an hour first league that i threw and I, I came back from the b bracket to win that league title and it was like that was a i mean i felt like i threw a marathon league just to get to the to outside of the outside of the regular league what do you uh what are your thoughts about um essentially because like you know in and waddle you can tune out your opponent. You don't have yeah. to see, like, you know, you're, you're like, oh, I don't, I don't, I didn't know what my opponent right, threw right, until right, the right. judge said the number, you know? Uh, like, like that's possible. Uh, versus like an mm-hmm. ITF, you're like in big acts, or, right. or it's like, oh, they're up to, uh, like, okay, right. I have to watch them throw, you know? So there's not that like, you're like, oh, okay. Uh, or, or in big acts, like, oh, they just hit that. They just hit the big axe clutch. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to match. Like I, like I can't, I can't not just right. zone out and just do my throw. Obviously it doesn't change anything, but like, just, it's like a, you know, a different kind of pressure. It is. And, uh, the one thing that I, I didn't like about that was because like, if you threw second, you were at a huge advantage to seeing to know what you, what the person did, whether they hit it or not, you're at an advantage because you either have to like you know either hit it or stay down and then you know you could throw a five and and if they miss their clutch and just throw you know hit just hit the board because they have they got a zero and then move on and so i i didn't like being put in those positions where you could like are you going to be a jerk are you going to try to go for the win Uh, like that was something that that i felt like caused like bitterness you know when like wait wait i stayed i stayed down when when it was my turn but you didn't reciprocate and like how could you and and so I, I, I kind of didn't like that. Um, like with Waddle, it's a little bit easier to kind of like, well, we're kind of throwing at the same time. So like, it's not like I'm waiting for you to hit or miss your kill shot. And then I'm going to throw a, a, a two and win the match. Uh, and so, so that's something that I don't know what the right answer, or the, the best system is to do that. But um, it kind of like bleeds into that whole, like with Waddle, the, the nine and 10 argument too. Like, like I, I'm sure you've talked about that at length and that nauseam maybe uh, about the, the nine and 10, you know, unwritten rule about nine and 10 uh, amongst the, the, the throwers. Uh, so it, it, it kind of falls in that little like nebulous of like, like, do I want to be like a, a friend in a good sport or do I want to win? And, and sometimes is it worth winning? 
to 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 uh, disrespect your friend or not. And those are really hard decisions to make in the moment of like of a match. And uh, and I, I struggle with those mm-hmm. kind of decisions just like everybody else. Do I want to win or do I want to be a good friend? Um, you know, I've had I've had this conversation with Josh Russo at what happened to him at Worlds at 2021 for Big Axe. Yeah, and so uh, that's it, it's tough. It, you know, I there, I don't think there's any right or wrong answer. It's like what's the answer? Like what can you live with? You know, I think is probably the best answer. Yeah, and I think uh, as far as like the talking about you know, like in standard and okay, you're up two going into throw five and you go up right. and you miss and your right. opponent just needs to hit a three to take the round. Um, now, the other side is that like, you know, because I've had this like, all right, okay, uh, they're a monster at Big X. So like, oh, I have to. Now, I also like, you know, the especially back before mm-hmm. they shrunk the clutch, um, right? It's like, you know, at a certain point, you're like, oh, I'm up right. two. Like, oh yeah, I'm just going to clutch it. It was out. a two and a half you know, clutch like, and then it's uh, fucking down to two. And so, but with Premier, it's not like that anymore. I think that's why Fancy calls it the hero clutch now, because mm-hmm. it's like it's not automatic. You know, I think like the the best, I think the best people uh, when it comes to are maybe I don't I don't even know if I, I would I would I, say probably I, like close I'm, to fifty percent. I'm not even going to speculate like, like what like the I I would think that for at that elite level for Premier, but even at fifty percent, that's not a super high percentage. Right, um, and so it. So I think Premier does kind of change that, you know, like, uh, like, I, I don't think you see a lot of people going up mm-hmm. to like go for the to go for the win in Premier because, um, but when That's somebody does, it is a baller move because it's like, yeah, that, when that's, I watched that's a the ballsy of, move. Uh, Psycho, um, when he won the 2021 IATC, like, you know, just, you know, how he kept smoking those Premier clutches, like, oh man, Dave is just he's he's incredible dude, like he's just like. You know, he's an icon in the sport. And then just like, you know, whether it's ITF or Waddle, man, that guy just makes it on TV and wins and then does, well, maybe not every time, but he, he, he gets on, yes, or he gets on a broadcast and just does incredibly well. So he's, he's incredible. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one of those things like, again, I just like throwing both. So it's like the different skill, like, um, Biggest criticism was like on standard. I would just zone out right. throws one through four. You're like, okay, especially like I just have oh, to get the majority yeah. of my blade in the seven inch bullseye. Okay, um, I, I like the people that throw a like a four inch blade stick flat on this on the seven inch bullseye. It's like it's another like I was I was throwing my Cascadia four inch stick uh, at. I mean, it, yeah. it, I didn't do well with it. Uh, you know, I, I bled into a lot of threes, but it's still like yeah, I don't feel like switching axes today. All right, cool. Uh, community questions. That's what we're doing. I went a uh, couple down rabbit holes. Uh, let's see. Here. All right, next question is from Fran. Fran asks, what's your favorite <laughs> selfie? And uh, obviously, uh, you can't, uh, anybody that's listening to yep. the audio can't see it, but uh, I'll let you describe yep. the picture that you So shared. the picture that I picked is probably my favorite selfie of all time. So literally, it was at 2021 through Ohio, and it was with Colby Dean. And I always get a kick out of when I take a selfie with somebody what people are going to do behind me because people have made I, I i should make a collage of all the different like photo bombs that i have of like different reactions and different faces i think at the 2021 or 20 
22 U.S. Open, I think I have nine different pictures of Michael Theodoro behind me with different facial expressions in every single picture. That though I almost picked one of them because that was like that's kind of up there on my list. But my favorite selfie of all time is the one that I took with Colby. And, and this is very unintentional, but you have Mike Philippon and Don Teets, and they're both looking at the camera like like I'm from outer space. Like they have the most like wide-eyed, like bug-eyed look, and so does Colby in the picture. And everyone's looking into the camera, and, and, and it's just like the reaction on both of them are just looking at like, what is happening here? I don't understand. And it's all four of them in this one picture, and I love all four of those guys to pieces. And that is like my favorite selfie of all time. Yeah, I'm trying to uh I'm trying to like caption this in my <laughs> brain. Uh and it the basically the best thing I've come up with it's like uh it's like wait, you didn't know that that was on your shirt? <laughs> That's right. Like, yeah, maybe I should text some uh, start memeing that meme that picture. Oh yeah. That that'd be fun. I I I mean just seeing how much trolling happens in these community <laughs> questions. I'm sure people would have a field day with it. Uh all right, cool. Uh, another question from Fran. Fran asks, when are you going to lead an axe-throwing wellness yeah. class? I mean, uh, I mean, I guess with wellness class, I, I, I would probably need a little bit more specifics of what she means actually from wellness. But what I would gather is what she means, like maybe like exercise and diet, like something like that in terms of wellness, like in terms of healthy eating, healthy movements. And um, and I, I think that uh, – in that in in a, in a tournament scenario is a little bit tough because obviously time is 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 uh, at a premium, resources could be at a premium, but more about maybe during like league or like downtime like between tournaments of like how you can be healthier or how you can be uh, get more exercises. You know that that you know I think I think a lot of people what I find in my experience at least as a as a healthcare worker as a doctor of chiropractic is people know what they need to do. Like, I don't need to tell someone like, yeah, you don't need to eat that hamburger. You know, you don't need to not, you know, you, you know, you know, you need to go exercise. Like, I don't think I need to tell them what to do as opposed to more as to remind them that you have to set a, an intention or a goal of what you actually want with your health. Like, do you want to lose weight? Do you want to sleep better? Do you want to live to, you know, a ripe old age of whatever, and um, so I think the best advice I could give somebody to be healthier, or have more wellness is understand what you want and why you want that. And then what could you do to make that happen? Perfect example is I want to lose more weight. Okay. And then I will ask somebody, why do you want to lose weight? Well, because I want to wear smaller clothes and look better in like my outfits. Perfect. Okay, why don't you go buy the outfit that you want to wear once you lose your 10, 50, 30, 50 pounds, whatever it is. Put it on your wall. Like, look at it every single day. Like, look at that dress or look at that hoodie or look at that sweatshirt or whatever piece of clothing. And then what can you do and look at that every single day uh, to lose that weight and keep yourself motivated? Because I think the, the, the why and, and why you want to do that is 10 times more important than the how you actually have to do it, how you're going to do it. Because people are smart. They'll figure it out. But, but, but identifying why you want to be healthy, why do you want to do this, to me is the most important first step. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, I've read a bunch of books on like habits because mm -hmm. habits are my best defense against I love Atomic uh, Habits. If you've never read Atomic Habits, I read, I a thousand percent recommend that book. I read that book annually. Uh, I, I, I listen to the audiobook. I can listen to it at 3x. I've listened to it like Atomic so many Habits. times. 
Um, oh yeah, it's one of my yeah. Time. Like J- James James yeah. Clear, the author, has one of my absolute favorite yeah. quotes of all time, which is, uh, "It's like if it, I think I can remember it verbatim. It's like, uh, if a decision is reversible, the biggest risk is moving too slow, and if it is if a decision is irreversible, the biggest risk is moving yeah. too fast." Yeah, that's a great. There's so many good quotes in the book, and if you if you guys haven't gone to his to James Clear either Instagram or his his newsletter, is incredible. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. That's one of my absolute favorite books. Easily top three. Um, and similar, like Atomic, there's like another one called Tiny Habits from uh, uh, BJ Fogg. Fog. Yeah. And then uh, there's also like a, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. That one I haven't, I, I haven't read that one yet. It's weird. It's almost like a, it's like TV shows that like build off yeah. each other. It's like Yellowstone. You're like, all right, well, that one technically came out first, but that one was more, <laughs> I don't know. But uh well, like they'll, but for me, like I, I would be that person where it's like, God, oh, you know, it's I'm not making progress. Well, I'm just not trying hard enough. It's not willpower. For me, I've had more success with like the most success with like doing like the tiniest mm-hmm. things, like uh, or like environment design, like you know, like because uh, that it's like, oh, like I'll want it, but I've definitely I've done the thing where I'm like, oh, I'll buy the clothes, and then I just look at them and like then six months later I donate them because I'm like, nah, I didn't, I didn't even try. But I, I, I know what I need to do. I know I need to drink less, exercise yeah, more, drink right. more water. And that's like, and then every day it's like, did I do yeah. it? No. Well, maybe tomorrow. And then and tomorrow, again, did I do it? I, I think no. it goes back to like going to your why, like, you know, why do I want to do this? You know, and so they don't keep yourself motivated. Like that's the first chapter of the atomic habit is what is my identity? Do I identify as a healthy person? Do I identify as this kind of person? And why do I want to identify? That's the, yeah, that's the first or second chapter of the book. Yeah. So uh, maybe, maybe I need to go reread it. Cause I'm like, no, no, my, my why is no, I'm, cool, I'm man. a trash I'm person. And that is why I'm a trash thrower. It's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a really good book. It's also very like a, uh, it is a good size. It's not yeah, too no, it's short, it's, not, too it's long. not like it's not super intimidating. It's it's and, and the chapters are broken up really small with really fun stories in each chapter. So I love that authors who tell story it's uh, write books and chapters that are like story driven rather as opposed to just like um, text or and just like um, almost like a like a stereo equipment manual or something. For sure, I've even tried to integrate some of like habits into my throw like like celebrating a throw right like you know because like we remember emotions yeah. and so it's like yeah i threw it you know through a six like oh yeah don't not like oh no that you're supposed to like oh no i threw a six like yeah. good job like uh but yeah, then that's called uh, anchoring is what you're, then, what you're what you're describing is anchoring i try <laughs> to do that but then sometimes but it's like okay uh oh, miss both kills in first match of league oh nope back to the trash can <laughs> That's that's where I live. Back to Oscar the Grouch. Uh, is that the one that was in the trash? I don't know. Okay. Uh, another community question. Uh, it's actually from Shay. Shout out yeah. Shay in Cincinnati, Urban. Um, Shay asks, who is your favorite? I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Shay I apologize, Ryan, Shay. I, I, I butcher those last names every single time. Uh, I, 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 so, uh, Shay asks, who is your favorite? Ilrig? Ilrig? I don't know. <laughs> So I'm, so I'm did, sorry. Did you, do you see my answer in the in the in the in the post? Yes. Uh, is there is there yes. baby Colby? <laughs> Colby is the baby, I, and so Colby uh, is uh, actually Colby. So um, so I I did three seasons at Urban Access, and uh, the first two that I did, I, I won back to back leagues, and then in the third league, 
uh, uh, Shay knocked me out of the uh, of the of the playoff, and so she knocked me out, and she had to play Ryan in the finals, and but she was, super, yeah, Couch she match. was super duper prego when she did it, and so like, and she was just like a clutch clutch queen when she was doing it because she was just hitting every single clutch that night that day uh and so it was just like she was like i don't know if it was just the baby colby like giving her that like lower center of gravity like i don't know what it was but she could not miss and it was it was awesome to see and so uh but he's he's my colby's my favorite one because he's 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 the baby he's cute definitely not uh, ryan not uh... not ryan like like the super <laughs> nicest guy, like probably rivaling me in niceness, uh, Ryan, uh, uh, because he's an awesome dude. Uh, if you guys ever get a chance to get to Urban Cincy, uh, ask for Ryan. Everyone knows who he is, and he's just like like the ambassador. Like he just like he'll introduce you to everybody. He knows everybody. Yeah, I, uh, I met the three of them at IATC last year, and then uh, I think on like Sunday when everybody's like saying their goodbyes or whatever, uh, I was like, "Hey, Ryan." <laughs> Later, Shay. And I was like, oh, uh, hey, uh, I think maybe they already put the baby sleep. I'm like, hey, Ryan, uh, make sure you tell Colby I said. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, I, I'll be sure to do that, Bill. And then later, uh, later on an unrelated thing, he's like, man, you are super weird. And I was like, thank you. It wasn't about the baby thing. It was just some other kind of weird. I I had a, I had too much fun at ITC. I did the I had the American Gladiator like foam joust or like uh, jousting things. I got hit in the head with those after some after too many adult pops. Was, uh... <laughs> All right, next question. Uh, next question is from the commish, Mike Morton. Is being the best hugger something that comes natural, or do you have to practice? <laughs> oh, I love Mike Morton. He and he's he's no slouch to himself. He's a great hugger as well. So I, I have to give him props with his hugging skills. I got to fortunate enough uh, get to I got to hug him uh, many times over the weekend uh, at Spring Fling uh, at uh, in Indianapolis, and so. Uh, I just think that, you know, it, 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 it's, it's all genuine. Like, you know, I, I, I truly, when I give somebody a hug, I, I really mean it. Um, I think, I think Theo is probably maybe superior to me in his hugs. He's a pretty good hugger too. Uh, so I, I think Theo would be one, maybe I'll be two and, uh, you know, someone else will be three. Uh, but, uh, I think it's just coming from a genuine love of, people and of another person and again having the privilege to step in the line with someone to have a match with them and the fact that we were sharing this moment uh over 30, 20 to 30 throws um means a lot to me yeah the uh the value of hugs way up coming out of the pandemic For sure cool uh all right next uh question uh, it's a handful it's coming from maria schultz uh we'll go one time here uh first one from maria is out of all the places you visited who are your favorite pets to snuggle with, and why is it Bo and Toby? I don't know who Bo and Toby is, so, so I think I'm definitely going to have to fill you in. So, uh, so Maria Schultz is TJ Schultz's wife, and TJ Schultz is, is co-owner of Fondy X Company. And so uh, they have two incredibly uh, active and energetic dogs. I, I don't know what the breed is exactly, but it kind of looks like a – like almost like a uh, like a Labrador. It's it's a bigger kind of bigger bigger dog. Uh, I think they're labs, like brown labs. Or not, they're not chocolate labs. They're like brown labs, I think. But I I'm not a dog. I don't own a dog. I don't know breeds very well. But they're bigger dogs, and uh, but they're the the kind of dogs that the moment they see you, they want to jump on you. Like they want to like tackle you, and they want to and 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 just kind of like like be all in your face. And so uh, uh, so they're. 
they're they're great dogs. They're they're definitely a lot of energy, and so so if you're kind of high energy too, then they'll they'll match you. So I I, I love I love Bo and Toby. They're they're great doggies. All right, I uh, I am a dog person, so I could definitely appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, next question from Maria: How many states oh. have you visited? Oh, uh, oh, visited. Okay, uh, I think we maybe addressed right, lived right. in earlier. But... Uh, I think I've done one of these before on on Facebook, where it's like, have you been to these states? And st and I I think. I'm somewhere in the forties of, of states that I've visited across the country. And so, uh, so I'm, I, I am a traveler. I love to travel and I love to go to different places. And so there's only a handful of states I would say that I, I haven't been to. Um, and, uh, you know, definitely, uh, like Hawaii is, is kind of on there and Alaska, like those further ones that are like, you know, off the, off the shores. I'd love, I'd, I haven't either been to either one, but I'd love to visit both of those places. Okay. What's a, what's a place that you've been to that like far exceeded expectations? Like a place that you're like, uh, I got passing through here, yeah. stopping there. I have a layover there. And then you're like, that place yeah. was amazing. Uh, in the United States or, or international, like all over the world. Yeah. Just in the world. Okay. First one, first that, comes one to mind. that probably came to mind was, um, Barcelona, Barcelona, Spain. And so, so you had low expectations mm -hmm. for Barcelona or did, or did it just like, did you have high? Correct. And it blew that was away? really like, I had pretty good explanation. Uh, I think part of it too, is that um, I grew up speaking Spanish. And so, so I still can as an adult. And, uh, and so whenever I go to a Spanish speaking country, uh, it's nice to be able to speak the language, the local language. And so I just remember going to Barcelona and it was just like a city that had like so many different areas to go to, whether it was the beach or the, the more traditional kind of cultural areas or the more metropolitan kind of like uh, big buildings, fancy areas that that was really easy to, it was easy to get around and go uh, even to the Olympic village too, when they had the Olympics there in 92. Um, it was just one of those experiences of going to all these different cities and uh, go all these different sections of the city, but still be in the same city. I mean, it's kind of like Manhattan is kind of the same way too, between, you know, little Italy, Chinatown, uh, you know, the financial district, central park, uh, you know, but you know, I feel like Manhattan is a very stereotypical answer. Like, Oh, go to New York, go to Manhattan, go see the big apple, uh, which it is incredible. So, you know, if you live in Manhattan or you live in New York, I, I love your city. Uh, but like Barcelona is like, you know, that one's a, that one's special. That one in Munich were the two that first came to mind. I was trying to think which one I was going to pick and Munich for the very same reason where that's like, it's a really cool city with a lot of little inner parts of it that, that are so different. Okay. I think I read that like Barcelona is very grid based and like each like little sub grid is like part of a larger super block. Yeah. Or something. I don't yeah know. Especially in the, like the district, like the more like uh, where the cathedral is and more like the, like the, the heart of the city, like the more traditional is very, is very grid brace grid based. Okay. Yeah, I've uh, never been, uh, I want to yeah, go. And then the unfinished church, the unfinished church okay. there in Barcelona is like, you know, you, it's one of those like top 10 things I've ever seen in my entire life. That's like, uh, and it, it's and still not, not finished. even finished. I mean, I don't right? think, why would they finish it when anyone comes sees it when it's not? <laughs> kind of like the leaning tower of Jesus. Like, why would you go uh, see it if it's going to be straight? <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, all right. Uh, next question from Maria. Would you go back to the entertainment business oh, if you had to the become chance? a television producer again? Um, probably not. Uh, the reason I left 
Los Angeles and the TV industry is that it's extremely competitive and cutthroat. And um, I didn't like the person that I was becoming when I was working in the entertainment business, especially in Los Angeles. Um, I, 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 I didn't want to, you know, um, you know, steal from, you know, uh, Peter to pay Paul, you know, that kind of thing where I, you know, I had to sacrifice my soul to get ahead. Um, I'm just not that type of person. Like, I just felt like, you know, could I live with myself if I had to like cheat and steal to get ahead? And that's what I didn't like about working in that industry. It's just, it's just there's just too many people. It's just too much competition. There's too much, you know, uh, too much, uh, not, uh, too much demand, not enough supply problem because everybody wants to be famous, whatever in Hollywood. And, uh, and so that was probably the biggest reason that I left that industry was to save my soul. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I've, I've never been, but I've had a lot of friends that like, when I was in college, I tried to stand up and I you know, stayed in touch with a lot of people that like stayed in it. And some of them have moved out there and it's like, one, it just seems like such a, like a, a hustle, yeah. like such a grind. And it's just like, that's a lot of work and time. And it's like, uh, like, nah, no thank. Meanwhile, I'm like, I'm over here. Like, where is there not a lot of people, but it's still like a city, Oklahoma city <laughs> sold no HOA, but there's a coffee shop quarter mile away. I'm on my way. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question. Uh, how many Two. languages do you speak? <laughs> Spanish and English. Two. Cool. Uh, next question. If you could be a doctor of anything else, what would a it be? A doctor of anything else. Um, I Maybe osteopathy because osteopaths um, are sort of like this kind of hybrid between a chiropractor and a medical doctor. And so you have the privileges of prescribing medication and doing surgery like a medical doctor, but you get the training and the hands-on work like a chiropractor uh, doing the uh, alignments and uh, adjustments of the spine. So if I could, you know, go back in time and, and, and realize that those two loves of mine, I could do both. Uh, I probably would have gone back and become a DO and become an osteopath doctor. You know, so have you ever gone to a doctor and it says DO after their name, that's doctor of osteopathy. And so that would probably okay. be, if I could go back and be a doctor again, that would be the one. Okay. Uh, I have a, I've heard a thing that, um, that a lot of doctors don't actually take a lot of classes on nutrition yet. Nutrition drives so many of the, like the problems that we have with our bodies is that, and I think I like asked a, sure. like a primary care physician that once and he's like, it's kind of like, it really just depends on the doctor. If this doctor's like, oh, I really care about nutrition. I'll right. take a bunch of nutrition electives. And this doctor's like, I don't care about going yeah. to those classes. It's it's interesting that, um, cause I've gotten this question a lot of like, are chiropractors real doctors or, you know, you know, you know, my, you know, you're, you're, you're a chiropractor, not a doctor and or, you know, that kind of thing. And um, you're like a massage therapist, right? You know, that, that kind of thing was people just don't know. And, you know, the medical school training hours um that a medical doctor goes through a chiropractor goes through as well it's the the hours are equivalents uh the only thing that's different is that where doctors get training on medication and surgery chiropractors get training on nutrition and exercise and so but to get back to your earlier question about like you know you know why don't why don't they why don't medical doctors talk about nutrition and why don't they have people 
try a natural means first versus going straight surgery, straight medical. And, and I, I don't think it's any fault of a medical doctor because I feel like there is a time and place for medicine. Before I went to chiropractic, oh, this is one of the things I forgot to mention. Uh, before I went to chiropractic school, I was actually uh, an emergency room technician and I worked in the ER for two years. And so, so I, I saw some stuff in the ER, <laughs> sometimes good. You would? You just saw me when I came in for seven stitches because I yeah, twirled my axe yeah, in my that, left hand. I call that the Russo, where you're twirling an axe in your hand and you cut a digit. Uh, that's what Josh did uh, before before a tournament going to Angrywood. Uh, so he called me that night. He literally called me when it happened. He's just like, he's like, I think I cut my tendon, and I'm like. <laughs> and I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, like there's like a ball in the ball joint of my hand. I'm like, yeah, you cut the tendon, it snapped back towards your hand. And he's like, what should I do? And I was like, well, like, if you're going to reattach it, it, you're not going to go to the tournament. And he's like, yeah, but if I don't reattach it, am I going to move my finger again? I was like, I don't know. Uh, that's like only your body can heal until I'm sorry, I'm going on a little rabbit hole, right? No, no, you're, you're fine. You don't have to apologize to me about rabbit and holes. So, that's the worst. Uh, so, uh, but you know, eventually he went to the tournament and threw like with the finger gun, like as he's throwing the axe. He's like got this. He's got this splint on his hand. He did really good in the tournament. Uh, that you know, I think that was twenty nineteen Angrywood. I think. Uh, so, uh, but uh, to answer the earlier question of like, you know, why don't doctors prescribe like nutrition and why don't they you know look, you know try to do natural first before medical? It's they they're just they just weren't trained that way. Uh, there's just that's just not their paradigm. So, um, like if you're you know if you're a carpenter, everything looks like a hammer and a nail. You know if there's a nail, I'm gonna get the hammer and that's what I'm gonna do. So when you're a medical doctor, um, you got two tools in your toolbox. You got drugs and you got surgery. So so that's what you've been taught in school. But it's a it's in my opinion it's not the correct paradigm in every every situation. You know, if I, you know, if I, if I get in a car accident and break my arm, you know, do not take me to a chiropractor who thinks he's going to like miraculously adjust that arm back into place. You take me straight to the emergency room so I can get a cast and get it, re you get it, get it realigned and get it set and then put the cast on and let my body heal. But, you know, these are, these are like very like, like acute sort of like, we need help immediately. Like right now I'm having a heart attack. I'm having a baby. Like I need something now. And what like more reactive, what, like reactive yeah, I mean, versus that's proactive a good way to look at it. It's reactive versus proactive. Uh, so, so our medical system is incredibly, incredibly, you know, designed to handle reactive cases. Like, all right, I have pain. Here's your pill. You know, I've got this, you know, cyst in my back or whatever, or my, my, my gallbladder is full of stones. Okay. Let's take it out. And so, so there, I mean, we are number one in the world at that. However, when it comes to like actual health and longevity and like age, like, like living longer, um, you know, the, the best doctor in the incredible world is your human, is your body. Your body knows more about how to heal you than any doctor on this planet would ever know. Um, your body, especially women's body, are so incredible. They can take a little cell from a mommy and a cell from daddy, squish them together, and then nine months make another person. Like, like. Like there's no super like genius, you know, magical formula that can recreate a human being, at least not yet. I mean, <laughs> chat GPT or whatever's going to happen with AI. I don't know, but that's for another conversation, another rabbit hole. But your body is so incredibly intelligent that it knows what to do to, to facil facilitate healing. It just needs like the, it needs the ingredients. It needs just 
which is kind of a little bit more what chiropractic is. It's not about fixing or healing. It's about putting things back in place and let the body do the rest. And that's kind of what the basis of chiropractic. Um, and so, uh, so I'm never fixing anybody when I do a chiropractic adjustment. I'm, I'm putting things back into place so the body knows exactly what to do to heal itself. And, and unfortunately, that does take time. And unfortunately, it, it does, you know, there's no guarantee that's going to work. You know, and that's the problem with sometimes with chiropractic is that it takes too long or there's no guarantee it's going to work. But you could say the same thing about medicine, too, is that, you know, it's taking too long and may not work as well. But, um, you know, making sure like the way the paradigm of how you're looking at it. And I think you mentioned that you have like a code background or you, you've done before it's like mm -hmm. like is my pair are my conditions correct so i can run this algorithm versus like am i looking at it the wrong way and i just feel that you know we have a um an acute medical system solving chronic problems like diabetes is a chronic problem you know if you have diabetes you didn't just wake up one day and be like oh i got diabetes uh this is like a progressive chronic thing you don't just work up with you don't just wake up with you know congestive heart failure that happens over years and years of bad habits and gaining weight and, and not taking care of yourself, smoking, things like that. You don't just, so trying to look at a chronic problem with an acute medical model, in my opinion, you know, without talking <laughs> healthcare systems and going down that rabbit hole, I, I don't think is the smartest way to go. Yeah. Yeah. My, my wife being a therapist, I'm like, what? And I'll like mix up like, Oh, psych psychologist and psychiatrist. And I'm like, what's the difference? She's like, psychiatrist writes prescriptions. Psychologist talks to you about your feelings. Yeah. That's like the oversimplified. Uh, but she, she often like laments the medical model where it's like, okay, yeah. Like you said, like, oh, you know, when all you have is a yep. hammer, everything looks like a nail. You're like, I'm having this thing. Yeah. Well, here's your prescription. Like, is there any other option? Uh, I yep. mean, not for me. So, so cool. Well, uh, thank you for that, uh, for that differentiation. Yep. I did not know that. Um, all right, we got two more questions from Maria. Next one is, what is your secret to a successful indoor <laughs> garden? So Maria knows that that uh, I like uh, another hobby of mine is hydroponics, and so so hydroponics is you know uh, basically growing plants with water, and so uh, I have an indoor hydroponic unit in my apartment, and so I was a little frustrated when I moved to um, Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, that there wasn't really like a good salad place like you know to get fresh greens and and feeling like i was getting nutritional value from my food um because you know you know like i just mentioned before like your food can be your medicine and so uh so i'm a big salad guy i love eating salads and so uh i invested into a hydroponic system so i literally wake up every day i pick off whatever greens i want to eat and then put them in my salad and then, um, you know, add some protein, uh, add, you know, some salad dressing, uh, add some rice and beans. And I'm, I'm a very happy camper. Uh, there is a place in Columbus that I loved a, a lot when I was there called um, Core Life. I don't know if you ever ate there when you were there. Um, it's kind of like, um, like a, it's like almost like a, like a salad bar where you show up and they have like salads that you can pick. And then like, like what protein do you want? Like, you know, what condiment, like rice and beans do you want? And you can kind of build your own kind of super salad. And I kind of recreated that in my apartment with my hydroponic gardening system and my rice and beans and proteins that I put in there. And so it's just something that I eat every single day and I, it, it's very tasty for me. Uh, I just switch up the salad dressing. I switch up the protein just to kind of make it a little different. So I can't eat the same thing every single day. 
Yeah, uh, I never got to eat there when I was in Columbus. Uh, 35-year-old Bill thinks that sounds <laughs> awesome. Uh, 20, what was that, 2013, yeah. 10 years ago? 25-year-old Bill ate yeah. like a college student. It was like, why would I spend money on quality food when I could spend that <laughs> yeah, on yeah. beer? Yeah, you know, and it's just uh... – I mean, obviously, so. things are prior prioritizing what's important to you, and so um, I just, you know, you know, you know, eating, you know, eating healthier, eating a lot of greens. You know, not only do you get nutritional value from the vitamins in the actual salad itself, but the fiber, you know, for digestive benefits is, you know, you can't recreate that. It's unparalleled. So, if you're not eating salads and not eating greens, go be dean. Uh, <laughs> start eating them now. <laughs> <laughs> okay uh all right last question from maria is how many pillows do you sleep with <laughs> oh so i always get that question the question was it wasn't always like the pillow question it was basically like what's the best mattress or how do i sleep like how do i sleep better uh especially as a chiropractor i'd get that all the time i can't sleep how can i improve my sleeping situation and so usually you know my you know my my, my three-prong approach to better sleep is one create a sleeping routine try to Try to start winding down at the same time. Try to, you know, whatever it is, whether it's relaxing music, you know, something to get yourself in a relaxed mode. Definitely put the phone away uh, because that blue light will start stimulating some of that sympathetic responses, which I mentioned earlier about that fight or flight. And so having your phone in your bed is like the worst thing you can do to try to go to bed. Uh, so try to create like some sort of sleeping routine. For me, uh, it's a 10 minute of meditation. Uh, uh, followed by um, uh, reading something, you know, something that I love, so that I'm like, that's that's important to me. So the meditation and the reading is part of my routine while while I wind down. I try to get my phone away from my fingers at least thirty minutes to even an hour before I go to bed. Uh, number two is temperature, uh, making sure that you know it's it's a little bit colder than you would like because our body you know runs hot. You know, uh, some people hotter than others. Uh, but keeping uh, the room, you know, at a, you know, at least 68, you know, 67, 66, you know, that's probably ideally the best kind of sleeping temperature. But the last one is what she's talking about is the pillow situation. <laughs> so it's not really the mattress uh, because all mattresses are pretty good. Like everyone has different um, um, comfort levels, like firm versus plush versus, you know, but it's more about an age thing. Like, you know, if, you're, if your mattress is less than five years old, it's probably still pretty good. If it's seven years old, you might want to think about it, get a new mattress. And if it's 10 years old, you're absolutely should get a new mattress. Those are the kind of like, but what I like to do about the pillows is I call it my, my pillow ramp or my pillow forts, meaning that most people sleep on their sides. The worst position to sleep in um, is on their belly. So essentially you're on your belly with your head turned for seven to eight, six to eight hours a night. So that puts a tremendous amount of stress on your neck and on your upper back. And so don't do that. Uh, the most, the healthiest position to sleep in is on your back, but most people cannot sleep on their back unless they like to sleep on recliners, um, and, and you can just fall asleep laying back in a, like a chair, Dustin Wellman. And, uh, and so, um, so, so, so most people do sleep, um, uh, on their side. And, uh, and, uh, and, and when you do do that, what happens is that the, the, the shoulder that's on the bottom gets scrunched up from your upper body weight. So then people start waking up with kinks in their neck, their shoulder hurts, you know, you're spending, you know, again, six to eight hours on one shoulder or the other. So, so what I like to tell my, my 
patients would be like to build like a little, like what I call like a little pillow fort or a pillow ramp where you have one pillow and then you lay another one on top of it. So you create like a 45 degree angle that you can slip your arm underneath the bottom arm underneath. And there's some pillows that are designed like that, especially with people with reflux disease. They have these pillows where you put your arm underneath it and it kind of keeps your body at a, at a proper angle. Uh, so, so those would be two, two pillows to create my little pillow ramp to put that shoulder in. And then the last one would be a body pillow or some pillow between the knees, because what happens is that when the knees are together, the, the pelvis or the hips tend to, to twist one way or the other, and then creates imbalance in the low back. So then some people wake up with sore below backs. It's because their knees are probably jammed together while they're asleep. And if they had a little pillow there to keep their knees separated and keep their legs in balance with their hips, there wouldn't be any twisting. So, so three is the answer. The long wind, the short version of that question is three pillows is the answer. All right. I, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm a caveman. I'll, I fall asleep. Like if I'm sleepy, I can fall asleep anywhere. But if my brain's going, I can't fall asleep ever. I stayed up till 4 a.m. playing yeah. chess two nights so ago. I, like um, I said, I, I just uh, recommend people like creating that routine that whatever they need to do to relax. Like for me, reading is very relaxing. Meditating is very relaxing to me. I mean, some people like to listen to music. Some people like to take a hot bath, you know, whatever it is, but try to do it at the same time and like every single day. And then, you know, just try not to break that routine, which we talked about earlier about habits. Like you create that, you know, you create those, those pathways in your brain, um, uh, Joe Dispenza is a very famous um, doctor who talks about, you know, uh, uh, wiring your brains, uh, neurons that fire together, wire together. And if you start firing those those same neurons every single time, then your body's going to just go back into into like, oh, this is like time to go to bed mode because this is what we do every single night to go to bed. Uh, it's the same. I, I mean, I don't have kids. But what I've been told is that when you have kids, you need to have them or give them a routine. Same thing with like puppies and dogs. You need to have a routine for them. Um, like Tabitha Fisher's amazing Huskies. <laughs> He's got those dogs trained like, like military trained. They're so good. I feel like my dogs are the ones that are like trying to like give me a routine. Like my dog be like, all right, it's 11 o'clock. It's time for bed. And it's like, hang on. I'm watching Netflix. Okay. Uh, all right. Next question is from Jennifer Vaughn Humphreys. Uh, why does your facial hair always look so perfect? <laughs> I think uh, I think pops pops always comments on my Steve Maui uh, pops always comments on my hair too. Like he, he's another one. He's like, how do you get your hair looking so good? Uh, I think uh, probably Gen X. My 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 um, uh, uh, maternal uh, grandfather had like impeccable hair. Like he was ninety nine when he passed, and and he had still had like almost a full head of hair. It was white though, but it was like full. And so I think I might have been lucky enough to get that gene on the 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 full hair gene. Uh, when it comes to my beard and trimming it. Um, you know, I usually trim it like twice a week, <laughs> put it on setting two on my trimmer and then just, you know, kind of go to town with it. And so, but I try to like, keep it up. Like I could never grow, grow one of those like awesome, like Sam Carter, Justin Reese, like super band, super cool, like ZZ top beard that those guys have. Um, um, but, uh, Manny Cole, Manny Cole's in that, 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 that cool dude, like Manny's got that super awesome, like, like, like solid beard that just like, it's, it's, it's very, very good. So, um, I could never grow something like that. That's just too much hair for me. So just trimming it twice a week on, on, with my trimmer. 
Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm I'm overdue for a trim, but my like my my dad can grow a pretty gnarly beard, but he doesn't take care of it, so he just looks like <laughs> a prospector. Like my wife has literally said that she's like your dad. I thought your dad was one of my homeless clients. Like no joke in Austin. Like why is this guy talking to me? Waiting on the bus to oh that's your dad. Okay. All right, uh, next question. Uh, I don't know who this person is, so I apologize if I mispronounced last name, but uh, William... Oh, Billy. Billy Erklins? Erklins? Okay, uh, yeah. sorry, sorry, Billy. Uh, uh, Billy asks, how did you like the new rule set that's played at PLS? So you kind of already touched on this one, yeah, but if yeah, there's anything I mean, you want to kind of add? I, I, I'm excited for the um, for the play style. Like, I think like once people try it, I think they're really going to fall in love with it. Uh, I think that um, once they tweak out and I, I hopefully they'll do more iterations at other PLSs uh, to kind of work out the kinks with the with the system, you know, you know, standard versus tournament or however they're going to call it, like whatever categories they're going to put it. Uh, but I think that uh, just like anytime there was a rule change, you know, there was a little bit of a transitional where people were trying to adapt and then everyone's throwing, you know, you know, there was never going to be a 64 on the new bullseyes. And then literally Ryan Smith busted one out the next day. And then, <laughs> and then you know, there's never going to be this. And then, you know, no one's ever going to throw a 1700 in Waddle League. And then Lucas and, and, and the gang are throwing 17 whatevers. And so, um, uh, so I, I just think that once people start trying it, and then I think from a viewer's perspective with the different dots and the different scenarios, like I, I think it's going to add a much higher entertainment value as in a, as, in addition to creating uh, difficulties uh, for the throwers and just so many different combinations to, you know, win a match. So uh, I'm excited. Uh, I, I, I think that um, it is, it, it is a, a, a move in, in the correct direction. Okay. Do you, uh, how long do you think it'll take before we see a 64 on the 2024 board? <laughs> Do you think oh, it'll be I the think first so. season, yeah, I think like it's in, like for sure. Uh, I, I, I was gonna say, I was still about to say maybe the first or second week, but I would say like at least the first season for sure. Okay, what about a uh, sixty-four for knives? Because I, I, I think I think we're probably a, closer a, a to six. that. You know, these guys, you know, the the, the top knife guys, you know, Tony Luce and you know um, uh, Dustin Knight, and uh, and, and I apologize, I don't want to forget all the good knife throwers because if I named them all, we'd be here all night long. Uh, you know, TJ, you know, TJ's an amazing knife thrower. He's just one spring fling. Um, so I, I think that uh, you know, Kump, the world champion. So I'm gonna start naming names, and I'm, we're gonna be here all. Uh, um, uh, but I, I think that, you know, you know, you know, Jules already had some 64s. You know, I was there when I saw Tishko and Theo throw their 64 at Titantown uh, last year. And, and I think the knife 64 is not that far off. Like, I, I, I think that within a broadcast or two, we will see a 64 on, 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 an, on a broadcast. Okay, cool. Yeah, I know that's uh... now I, I yeah. I, I wonder. I guess this is asked. I maybe maybe you know, or maybe you've talked to people. Um, will the twenty twenty four board apply to all of the disciplines, or is that just going to start? I don't know. That's a little bit above my pay grade. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I I figured like if that was communicated, I would have like I I yeah. feel like I wouldn't have missed so, yeah. that one, but well, I, I wasn't. Sure. I, so, I don't know. No worries. The twenty twenty four board is just a hatchet thing. I, I don't know that for sure. Okay. No worries. Um, cool. Uh, next question. Uh, another one from Shay. Uh, 
How are you the <laughs> nicest person in axe throwing? You're too nice, Shay. Uh, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know, what is the golden rule? Treat others like you want to be treated. Like, you know, I really do take that to heart. You know, there is this inside joke between me, Mark Marisol, and Hayden Brown. Are like, who is the nicest person? And we all point at each, you know, we all point at the other one. And so, <laughs> shout out to Mike, uh, Mark Marisol, too, because he's a sweetheart. And same thing with Hayden Brown. And you never met those two guys. Uh, and then there's plenty of others. I, I don't want to forget other nice guys like, or gals, because uh, Fran, to me, is like the nicest person. And actually, Fran Lopez, if you ever met Fran Lopez, there's not a, there's not a person she's never met that she doesn't love. Uh, if you ever met Fran Lopez, uh, so I say she's the nicest person in Axelian because I love Fran. Uh, but uh, you know, I just um, you know the, the matches and the people they mean so much to me, and so I I, I would rather uh, you know you know be a good person and have a great time than even win a match. Like that's that's not as important to me as the relationships that I cultivate. Yeah, I think that's a solid answer. Let's see here, and uh, all right. All right, I think this is the last one. Uh, I think you kind of already touched on this, but uh, Steve Malvey, Pops, uh, <laughs> asks, what hair products do you use, and are you hiding your Not gray? hiding my gray, though. You know, I still got, I don't know, well, obviously you guys can't see this, but, you know, the little camera that we have here, you know, I definitely have grays on the sides and gray in my, you know, in my beard. So I, I'm definitely not hiding it, you know. Uh, I'm going to gray gracefully. Uh, I've been pretty lucky that, you know, uh, I don't have a lot that shows. I still am predominantly darker versus silver. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I just use a texturizer, you know, probably low level, level one, level two texturizer under my hair. I don't like my hair to be super like rock hard. Like, you know, if I'm like the, you know, in an Italian mafia or something like, you know, the little slick back hair. Uh, I don't like that. I like to be able to put my hands through my hair and, and get my hair out of my face. And so, uh, yeah, texturizer, level two, level three, kind of mid to low level stiffness. All right, then. Yeah, I, uh, I need to take that. It's good to me. Hair, it looks but, pretty sharp. Yeah. Uh, the sad answer is that's uh, because nice. Nice. always a win. Soap is a soap is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I like I mentioned before, like I'm a I'm a caveman. My dad was a roofer. Like I grew like I don't think I found out about conditioner until I was like a like a full grown adult. Like I was <laughs> just like what? No, it's shampoo. No, like this is another one. Like, oh, what's it do? Oh, softer, smoother. Like, man, how am I? They let me vote. How am I an adult? Um, cool. All right. Uh, sweet. I think that's the community questions. Uh, so now I guess uh, we kind of move into just like yeah. wrap it up with sponsors, right, plug, perfect. shout yeah. out, I, social media. I actually wrote this down because I didn't want to forget somebody. Uh, so I wanted to thank uh, cool. a lot of the makers that I've had a, the the privilege to work with. You know, uh, you know, obviously, you know, your equipment and your gear that you use is a big part of of doing well and competing at the highest level. And so just, you know, thank you. The first maker that I ever worked with was Gabe Grinnell. I mean, that guy is, you know, an artist, you know, like I said, we, I mentioned earlier him and Kyle Durant and my mind, you know, I, I don't know if I want to, to put them, their axes in my hands or in a museum because they're so freaking amazing. Uh, you know, Yellowwood Design, um, they're out of uh, uh, Canal Winchester. 
uh, right outside of Columbus, you know, uh, um, Zillow would design. They were the first uh, group that I ever worked with where I was in the shop with them while they were making my axes and what do you want and what do you need? And, and, and if, if you've ever had a chance to sit with a maker while they're working on your axe to like tweak it and throw it and then tweak it some more and then throw it again and, and come back and it is, it is, you know, an experience that I would recommend 1000% because they were the ones where I would drive down to Canal Winchester, bring my axes. And, um, and again, me, Josh, Jess, and, uh, Zach would go down there and we, you know, get our axes tweaked by Ben at Yellowwood design. So thank you, Ben, for all the work that you did on my axes, especially when I was first getting started. Uh, Jess, Jess Renner, uh, she's, uh, you know, does a beautiful work, you know, crafting and designs. And so she's, uh, profiled some axes for me and done things for me as well. Uh, Josh Taylor and Taylor handles. I don't know if Josh is still doing handles, but he was doing them for quite a, t quite a while. And so, so he made some really great handles for me, um, uh, early on. And then, and then, and then my, the guys that I go to now, you know, um, uh, Dustin Wallman, I mean, I mean, he gets mentioned probably on every single podcast. Uh, you know, the the mad scientist Dustin Wellman, uh, and also Wellman Wax. If you guys haven't had a chance to try out Wellman Wax, uh, in addition to Axe Wax is great, but Wellman Wax is is is, is you know, to me smells better and is a little bit easier to apply. Um, I am a person who likes to wax their own axes, and so you know, in addition to the beautiful axes that Dustin makes and the handles and the and the profiling that he does, you know, the Wellman Wax is you know I. You know, I, I could not recommend that more. And then uh, and then David Carroll with Rain Axe. You know, David, uh, you know, is I would say like, uh, you know, you know, comes from the school of Dustin Wellman because I feel like a lot of David's work and Dustin's work are you know, similar. Um, I, I think they've exchanged ideas and, and uh, they have a really cool bromance in my mind because I think they call each other night I suspecting because <laughs> I've actually been in each one of their shops where they're calling each other while I'm in their shops and so I don't think they do it just when I'm there uh, I think they do it probably every night um, <laughs> maybe Tabitha and, and, and Leslie can confirm this but every time I've been in either one of those shops in the evenings they're calling each other uh, so so I feel like you know David is also a disciple of Dustin and 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 creating high quality um uh, you know, amazing access to throw. So I want to thank those uh, makers so, so much. You know, I, you know, I've never, you know, I haven't had a pleasure of working with Vin or Kyle and some of the other guys, but, but I'm sure they're, they're wonderful too. And hopefully I can throw one of their axes as well. Uh, yeah. It almost makes me sad that it's like, I want, and want like, I want a collect, yeah. like one yeah. from all of them. Like, but then it's, but it's also like, I know that, you know, there's right. only so many spaces in a backlog and I can yeah. only throw so many and uh, yeah. they're not cheap. Uh, and so it's like, okay, like, uh, but I, I've never got to do the yes. thing where like I sat in the shop so with I would, them and I, I want to do that, that so bad. So if you've got a maker near you, um, yeah, Nick Guthrie was going to be the other one. I, I, I forgot, I forgot to, I never got an ax from Nick, but I know that Nick does great work too. And I'm glad he's making axes again. Cause I, I know he did take a little bit of a break. Um, but, but yeah, if, if you had a chance to get to a maker, um, uh, and, um, and, and work with them. Um, I, you know, I would, you know, highly, you know, highly recommend, uh, uh, doing that because then you can really customize it to what you're really wanting. But, um, I think it is also really helpful to know what you want as well. So I think going in with a really good idea, um, is also extremely helpful for 
you know, for the maker, like, you know, do you know your handle lengths? Do you know your head weights? Do you know, you know, do you like, you know, recurve versus, you know, in not recurve? Do you like straight handles? Do you like, you know, all that kind of details. So, so definitely know things like that because then they can make it happen. For sure. Cool. And now do you, uh, so that, as far as like the maker shout outs go, do you, uh, are there, yep. uh, do you have yep, any like other part sponsors of lined up? My little page. <laughs> You okay, cool. Sorry. Uh, you, uh, you got it. I was impatient. <laughs> uh, so um, I have to, you know, Valkyrian Steel. I mean, uh, you know, I was, you know, in the infancy stages when uh, Josh and Zach and Jess and I were kind of sitting around one day on the couch and thinking, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we had professional teams and axe throwing? And, you know, we were kind of coming up with ideas and, you know, how to make it work. And then, and then we just did it. And then, then we had like everybody was on Valkyrian still, so we had this super monster gigantic team. But if there's one team, that means that there's really no teams. And so, so then you know, then melee happened, and then created more teams. And and um, so you know, without those guys and and you know their support from from the very beginning, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at and making the relationships and connections that I am. So you know, huge shout out to Valkyrian Steel. Um, likewise. Um, uh, 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 Axe House, Cleveland, and Timber Beast, you know, those two venues, um, you know, when I was, you know, throwing, uh, they've been huge supporters and sponsors of me uh you know especially access cleveland with duels uh, uh justin uh reese my duels partner we, we throw out we, we met at access cleveland and so we throw there and we try as much as we can at least i do to get there and and throw with them there uh so without you know david and tabitha supporting us in duels you know uh thank you so much for that um, um all state brick uh in houston texas uh, that's my uncle's bricks shop. You know, they've sponsored me uh, with throwing. And so if you're in the Houston area in need of uh, high quality brick for building your super massive 5,000 square foot, uh, uh, you know, Mac Daddy house, <laughs> uh, please reach out to Allstate Brick because uh, there have been uh, a huge uh, sponsors for me. And then uh, lastly, uh, um, uh, Fondy Axe Company. You know, that, that's the venue that I work at now. Um, you know, they, they sponsored me to go to PLS uh, Spring Fling. Uh, without that, you know, I wouldn't have been able to go. Um, you know, they've been incredible to work with. And um, I, I feel blessed to be a part of their team because, you know, they're, they've been allowing me to work in the venues in the afternoon and the evenings so I can build my my online business. And so sometimes people have asked me, like, you know, what do you are you still doing chiropractic? Like what's, what's going on with there? So, you know, my, my next evolution as a, as a healthcare provider is to get into health coaching and like tele, tele, telehealth or telemedicine. Um, and, um, uh, you know, not a lot of people I've shared this story with is um, uh, my father passed when I was a teenager and, uh, and he, he passed from complications of, of diabetes uh, but specifically it was, it was neuropathy. And so for those of you who don't know what it is, it's basically pins and pins, uh, pins and needles and pain, uh, in the hands and feet. And so, uh, it was always a condition that, that I was always passionate about because of what happened to my dad. And, um, and I didn't know if there was a way I could actually do that, you know, you know, you know, do that in a, in a successful, you know, uh, way without becoming a medical doctor. You know, I, I, I don't have 
prescription capabilities I don't have surgery surgery or injection capabilities that's out of my scope of practice but uh, once I started digging in and, and finding some resources on how to naturally uh, help uh, sufferers of neuropathy uh, it was just like you know it was one of those like aha like light bulb like all the stars kind of aligned and so I just I went for it full force and have been, you know, training to become a uh, natural neuropathy uh, expert to hopefully uh, grow a business where I'm um, supporting uh, neuropathy sufferers uh, with uh, with with those with their issues naturally, uh, with uh, therapies, with uh, nutrition and dietary uh, instructions. And so that's kind of where I'm evolving to next as a doctor. Uh, my website is uh, homeneuropathycoach.com. So for those who have lasted, I don't even know how long this podcast is going to last, but we're probably, you know, I, I don't think we might Three be plus like hours. in the double digits. It feels like we've been talking for a while. And so, um, <laughs> and I, I had a feeling this was going to happen because for those who know me, I'm, they know I'm pretty chatty. And uh, so for those of you who are listening and uh, know of, of, of a, a vernopathy sufferer, who um, have gone down different paths and haven't found solutions, you know, please, uh, I would appreciate a, uh, a referral or uh, a, 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 um, at least a mention of my website, the homeneuropathycoach.com, and, and maybe I can help them out and, um, and get them feeling better and essentially giving them their life back. Because that was something that I mentioned earlier about with chiropractic is that, you know, when you lose your ability to do just even the simple things in life, you know, you know, being able to just, you know, get up and go to work and, you know, you know, hug your, hug your grandchild or, or throw an ax if you can't anymore um, can mean the world for someone. So, so I think that's the, <laughs> the end of my plugs. Gotcha. Well, uh, sorry to hear that you lost your dad, uh, you know, when you were young. Um, I, I lost my mom last year, and one of the contributing things was uh, mm -hmm. peripheral vascular disease. So, like, I think that's related to what you were talking about. Uh, and so it's, I've, I've had, like, a health wake up. Like, I'm pretty sure I had, like, a gout attack a month ago. And I was like, oh, that's my wake-up yep. call. So I've stopped drinking beer since then and uh, started drinking yeah. more water and trying to take better care of myself because it, it, it's no joke. Like, uh, my dog jumped on me and bumped my, like, yep. my sore toe yeah. and I collapsed to the ground in pain and I was like oh this is yeah. uh this is serious and it's just it's just one of those things uh, that again you know getting back to that sort of like medical versus natural uh discussion that we had earlier like um you know with any chronic issue chronic condition it's not going to just sneak up on you you don't just wake up and you know wake up with cr chronic heart disease or you don't just wake up with um you know uh you know gallbladder disease like that doesn't just happen overnight like you know it's it is a chronic lifestyle sort of disease that if caught early enough just like anything you know can definitely be taken care of so if anyone is you know feeling like you know they can't feel their feet they can't feel their hands pain in their feet pain in their hands you know that i might be i might be able to help them out yeah, I might, uh, might have to talk to you offline. It might be uh, one of your first customers. <laughs> or, um, cool. Uh, I guess. Uh, oh, last thing. Um, do you have any like dream sponsors? So I know you said like you mentioned like bedding and pillows or uh, it sounds like you drive a lot <laughs> so, between so Ohio is, and Wisconsin. So my, know, the dream like, is. And so so part of the reason why I transitioned out of seeing uh, patients and being in an office day to day was um, to have freedom to go where I want, work with who I want 
when I want, you know, and that's that I think that might be the dream for everybody. But for me, you know, being able not to be able to go to tournaments, you know, when I was working as a chiropractor, because I would get I would get, um, you know, uh, my my employers were not happy with me when I wanted to take every other weekend off to go throw axes. They felt like I wasn't dedicated to the office. So then so then when I would spend more time in the office, I would spend less time throwing and then my scores would suffer and then I would miss my throwing friends. So then that no, nobody, it was no one could win like that. But then when I was throwing all the time and going to more tournaments, then I wasn't, I wasn't good to my patients and I wasn't in the office enough. So it was, it was really like a lose, lose scenario for me. So I had to like somehow create a scenario where, you know, could I do something where I can help people out, but kind of like on my time and um, the the online health coaching business was kind of a great fit. So my dream sponsor, which you're getting, would be like a like pimped out like band, like like Jesse. I don't know Jesse Hummel style, where you know I get to like go and travel around uh, to tournaments and live kind of out of my like one of those like Mercedes like ones that have like satellite dishes and living room couches and bathrooms inside of this like awesome band. Like um, that would be my dream sponsor. If I I could pick one yeah like a, like, a like winnebago I, I like, like, those, the, like the mercedes like certain like it's like a mercedes like van specifically yeah sprinter van there we go sprinter van that's what it sprinters is. Or... Uh, so that would be um that okay. would be my dream sponsor so i could uh you know work remotely and then travel the tournaments and uh, get to see all my friends that i've made all over the country and and and, and stay with them because you know there was a time last year in 20 in 2022 where i was basically homeless like you know not by like because i was destitute but but by choice like it wasn't like oh i didn't have money so but it was more by choice and you know when i was transitioning out of practice and figuring out my next move you know this is where you know i was i was i was i was literally sleeping on tj schultz's couch or well not his couch his floor with my air mattress and uh and trying to figure out my next move. And so, you know, it was literally a blessing that I never would have thought of that, you know, he said like they were trying to build a venue, him and his brother, Tyler, and I was looking for a job. And, uh, and it just like all the stars aligned at the perfect moment. And um, so, you know, without those guys, you know, giving me the, the freedom or the flexibility to work at night, I, I can't create my dream business job in the mornings and in the day. That's what I do in the mornings before I got to go to the venue in the afternoon. That's awesome. Yeah. So if uh, anybody's got the <laughs> shout out uh, Mercedes, ho ho hook Dan up so he can get the mobile wellness <laughs> axe throwing mobile going. Cool. Uh, I I guess uh, last thing before we wrap up, where uh, yep. where will people see you next? Now we already talked about Riverbend. So, Anything else uh, uh, coming up after is, Riverbend? It's confirmed. Um, I I'd liked, uh, and that's the first weekend in May. So whenever this is coming out, so this this is after Riverbend, and that's not the next one. Uh, this should, this should please, I, I will be very upset with myself. This is uh, but hopefully I can make it to the first weekend in June, which is Ragnarok, uh, up in, uh, in Saginaw, Michigan, uh, with Brad and, uh, all the Northern Michigan guys. Um, I think it's bearded axe. Uh, I've never been there, so I don't miss, uh, hope I didn't mispronounce the venue, but I think it's the, called the bearded axe. Uh, but it's the Ragnarok tournament and that's the first weekend in June. Um, and then, um, hopefully in Thurhio, those are, those are the next two that I have on the radar, uh, for me next, um, uh, for tournaments. Okay, cool. Well, uh, I think with that, I think we're done. We did it. 
That's uh, we talked. <laughs> we did all the talking. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it was like a like marathon cool. interview session. So I just I feel so I feel so bad, Bill, that you like went through all my stories and and, and sat through them like a. It was my pleasure. I, I appreciate you taking the time. Like, like I said, this is, this is your time for you to, you know, like, what yeah. do you want people to know and take the time? And then, uh, you know, if I'll, I'll go down some, uh, I didn't, uh, you know how, like, uh, we wonder if like DMAC resists the temptation to make all the memes. Like he doesn't yeah. make it. I didn't go down I, all I the rabbit holes. My brain is. Is. So, so, uh, um, okay. Again, I don't David know. David Mackenzie. <laughs> uh, the, uh, he makes okay. he makes a lot I, of the memes. I, I've you heard see the on name, the but I don't I don't know the guy, and so uh, but it sounds like a fun guy to me. Uh, that I mean, is you, true. That I is true. He's, you get, he's you go probably, I think he uh, was the one that was the four hour interview. I think, and so that was I don't think I was the one I got to listen to yet. Yeah, no, you made the right call. <laughs> we, 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 him and I are in agreement on that. I think, uh, I think Fancy took his record though. So, all right, uh, Dan, it has been a pleasure. Uh, thank you so I much. I will see bro. you at Riverbend. Have a good one. Adios, adios. Ah, adios, mi adios. amigo y mi hermano. Yeah, see, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, necesito practicar. <laughs>